This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Doing a split high in the air, Van Halen. Although let's acknowledge when he tried talk radio, he was a bomb. He stunk out the joint. Remember, they say, oh, Van Halen, he could replace Howard Stern in commercial radio, and the guy was lost. Was lost. Because, you see, so many people think you can just get behind the microphone, and because you're an entertainer, or you do TV, or you do movies... Or you do podcasts that you can do live and relevant talk radio, this thing of ours that we love so much? And the answer is not. Just look at a guy like Van Halen. He can do splits in the air, right? He can do acrobatics on the stage. He could entertain thousands and thousands. But when it came to his ability to do a talk show host, he sucked. He was the worst. Let me tell you straight up, ladies and gentlemen, we had a great night here at WABC. Right on the grounds, there were the uh, floodlights outside. It was like a opening of a new movie on Hollywood Boulevard. You had the guys coming in with their tuxes. They had to flash the Boulevard uh, wristwatches. And the gals, uh, well, they all had uh, apparel that had been provided with signage from Ramsey Mazda that sponsored the two-hour extravaganza. I mean, Joe Piscopo was extraordinary. He had a live band. He did a little, uh, a bit of the narratives that he normally does every Sunday from 6 to 8, but it was a super spectacular event, which highlights the fact that on weekends, WABC is no longer a graveyard for infomercials as it was for quite some time where you would tune in to WABC, your place to be, starting at 12 midnight, Friday, going into Saturday morning, and all you would hear morning, noon, and night were infomercials, infomercials, infomercials until 12 midnight, Sunday going to Monday. And it killed, it killed this thing of ours. It killed it. But, hey, the corporations that owned the most uh, famous of the iconic Letters of any radio station ever in the nation, WABC, were milking it for every nickel, dime, and penny they could. And they really didn't care. 
because in their minds, everything was FM. FM, freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, Frank Morano. And now that we have an FM affiliate ourselves, WLIR, they broadcast out to the east end of Long Island, Frank McKay, who is our president of those operations. But there's nothing comparable to AM. AM is active-minded. We are the largest number one news talk station in the nation again as we've been resurrected from the dead by our owners and operators who are here tonight uh, in splendor to watch the performance of uh, Joe Piscopo and the orchestra on what would have been the 107th birthday of Frank Sinatra. It was amazing because uh, there would have been no Sinatra show. There would have been no Vinnie Madunio who... Uh, comes before him, the Prince of Staten Island now. There would have been no Tony Orlando. There would have been no Cousin Brucey, Bruce Murrow, the number one DJ of all time spinning stacks of wax. There would have been none of that. It would have been relegated to your memory cells, fond memories. It would have been like uh, getting into the time machine and the twilight zone, and you would have needed Rod Serling to reintroduce you. Well, guess what? It's all live and local now, and it's never been better. But we got to keep working to stay number one, to stay relevant, because it's hard to become number one again when you come from the ash heap. But then again, it's tougher to stay where you're at because then everybody's aiming for you to try to knock you off your perch. And so we got to really double down on our effort. And now we got to do it because you know who's coming after us? The hero to all of you, right? Oh, he's Mr. Free Speech. He's aligned himself with the Republicans to conservatives. He'll be testifying in the House against the Democrats at what transpired in the election of 2020. Yes, Elon Musk, right? On one side, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's promoting free speech. This is great. You know what he's doing? He's taking all the AM radios out of the Tesla cars. No more AM radios. And as a result of him leading... Because he's pissed off that too many of you, like me, credit Marconi with the invention of the radio and not Tesla, his hero, the Serbian. He's decided to retaliate. No more AM radios in Tesla vehicles. And what's happened? He leads the effort in uh, electric cars. So all the competitors follow. Ford, General Motors, Chrysler, and foreign cars. Toyota. Yes, that's right. Hi, 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 hi in Japan. Hyundai in Korea. I mean, they're all following suit, the European cars. They want to destroy this thing of ours, AM radio, which again stands for the acronym active-minded and over our dead bodies. This is the fifth time in my history as a broadcaster, 35 years in talk radio, that I've heard all of a sudden, oh, the death of AM radio, bull feathers, bull feathers. They say it all the time. And let me tell you something. It's not a resurrection. It's not a revival. This thing of ours is the most intimate, the most direct form of communication that has ever been created. You can't do that with 24-hour cable television. No. You can't do that with, oh, podcasts. Why? They're edited. It's not spontaneous. It's not instantaneous. It could be a show from three, four weeks ago. Oldie moldy stuff. Oh, you like the little niche. Okay, you're a podcast person. So guess what? I'm a live and local person. That's how I make my bones. Do I do podcasts? Of course. But that's not what is my preference, nor my focus, nor my continued battle against those who are trying to destroy this thing of ours. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As you deify Elon Musk, 
and you put him on a pedestal. Just understand, he's coming through the back door to take your AM radios out of his cars and other electric cars. Why? Because they say that electric vehicles generate more electromagnetic interference than gas-powered cars, which can disrupt the reception of AM signals and cause static noise and a high-frequency You know, like, uh, who is that? The Hare Krishna, right? Yum, yo, rengi, kill. It's like you got a, a Hare Krishna kidnapped. In the back trunk of your car, who's going, bull feathers. And now they're promoting FM. They're saying FM signals are more resistant to such interference. No more AM, they say. It should only be FM. Well, guess what? You're going to be in the fight of your life, Elon Musk, because there are no government subsidies here. No, 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 no. It's a battle between those of us who love this thing of ours and you who don't really understand it. To you, it's all the bottom line. That's all you care about. You don't care about this thing of ours. Well, I do, and so many of you listening out there do. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And you didn't have to grow up reading Popular Mechanics or Motor Trend Magazine. Now, what's the other thing they put on the chopping block? Well, can't blame Elon Musk for this. Can't blame Ford. Can't blame GM. Can't blame Chrysler. Can't blame Toyota. Can't blame Hyundai. We have to uh, blame the Department of Education in the United States, which stands for the DOE acronym, dumbest organization ever, nationally. So kids are not reading at their grade level all across the country in public schools. They're not reading at their grade level. They're not doing math at their grade level. They have no English comprehension at their grade level. And as a result of the lockdown and the pandemic of March of 2020, the figures are even more dismal than before. So what have they decided to do? Attack the Junior Reserve Officers Training Corp, better known as ROTC, funded by the United States military, designed to teach leadership skills, discipline, and civic values, and open a student's idea to the idea of a potential future military career. Right, if I'm in the hood, I'm surrounded by crime, decadence, debauchery, dysfunction. You know, an ROTC opportunity is like a lifeline. But, oh, no, they're saying, no, we don't want the students' eyes to be open to a possible military career. Why should the students have to wear military uniforms and obey orders from an instructor who at times was yelling? I mean, how many ROTC courses have I seen out there where you have military veterans at some 3,500 high schools across the country who teach the junior ROTC, who give them the discipline that they don't have at home, where oftentimes home is a dysfunctional wasteland. Now they want to eliminate these courses. Slowly I turn, step by step, because I remember this same strategy existed in the aftermath of the Vietnam War, not a very popular war, in fact, a war that was completely unnecessary, that was hyped by JFK and then just unleashed by LBJ lying and lying to us. And then, of course, Richard Nixon, who got elected, say, I'm going to end the war. And he spread the war into Laos and Cambodia with secret bombing, right? It was a horror. It was a shanda. It was udiscraziada. And yet, in that aftermath, I can remember school after school, 
that on career day would go up to the military men and women of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and the Coast Guard, and they would say, you can't come in on uh, career day. Oh, gangs can recruit on campus and the cafeteria and right outside of schools. That's okay. That's a paramilitary operation. But you cannot recruit any students for ROTC on career day or any day. In fact, I remember there was Frank Mickens of Boys and Girls High School. They thought he was a great disciplinarian. He would wear a bow tie, right? He would walk around. He did engage his students in law and order. But, oh, boy, he didn't want the military on his campus, and he threw them out. Threw them out. Said, don't ever come back, and he wasn't alone. Schools after schools throughout our tri-state area did exactly the same. And now we thought, okay, that was a mistake. We amended. We passed laws in the federal government that say if you bar the military recruiters from coming in on campus, a high school campus, especially on career day, and compete with everybody else who's offering them a leg up and maybe a way out of the hood, you're not going to get any more government funding. That stopped them. Well, now they've come back, and they're trying to take ROTC away in Detroit. Oh, my God. Detroit can use all the ROTC it can get. Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Crime City, USA. Would you rather have the kids running into a Wawa, rioting, looting, shooting, and stealing everything they can get their hands on? Or being in an ROTC program? It's unbelievable. Fifty years later, and there are new conflicts emerging as parents in some cities say their children should not have to wear military uniforms, should not have to obey a chain of command and recite patriotic declarations, do the Pledge of Allegiance, or sing the national anthem. Can you believe this? Yes, I can. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And I got to tell you, I've been to a lot of great ROTC uh, programs. Probably Francis Lewis in Queens off the LIE. Man, they got the best. Uh, I mean, they go through their maneuvers. They show up, the young people are pleasing, pleasant, polite, patriotic, and very respectful. I remember going to Franklin K. Lane right on the border of East New York and Queens. City Line Avenue, rough. Used to be mobsters choking on their lobsters and a lot of gangs. At one point, when David Dinkins was mayor and destroyed this city, he allowed the Latin Kings to have a club after school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had a teacher coordinator, they had a constitution, they had a charter, they had bylaws, and the Latin kings, amor de rey, would meet in Franklin K. Lane facilities after school to recruit more gangbangers, more enemies of society. Thank God Rudy Giuliani came in. Michael Mbadicic, as you can hear, every Monday through Fridays from 3 to 4, and then Sundays with Dr. Maria from 10 to 11. And he just straightened that out and said, no to the Latin kings. They also did that at Columbus High School in Pelham Parkway. Same thing. They had a teacher advisor. They had a constitution, charter, bylaws. They were a club. Like Glee Club. Like, uh, what was that, A.V.? What was that, right, right? The guys who would take acid all the time. Oh, yeah, the A.V. Club. Yearbook Club, you know, newspaper club, the geeks, uh, the jocks, the heads. I mean, think about that. And the gangbangers. Oh, that's an official club here. Hey, they're in our yearbook. Look, look. Amor Zare. Crazy. They would allow gangs on campus officiate them, officially accept them as a registered club on campus. 
with a um, teacher advocate, a constitution bylaws, a charter. But God forbid they let ROTC onto the campus. Oh, my God. So anyway, Franklin K. Lane, by the way, unfortunately, I have the uh, Frank Morano crew. Matt Blaze, definitely a fugitive from law with many aliases uh, on the boards. You have Ken, the runway model, that Frank Morano is becoming more and more infatuated with. Oh, my God. I don't know. Hey, uh, Rachel, you may have a problem here. I, I don't know. Maybe he's crossing over the Maginot line. You don't have to worry about him having a gumada. Uh, the fixation with Ken here, the runway model, I'm a little worried about that. you got to check that out the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays. Frank Morano will be in after Dominic Carter tonight, and he'll be praising Ken. What a handsome man. Oh, man. And then, of course, there's Alex Barnard, the nighttime producer of the Frank Morano show, with the brown, uh, brownest schnoz I've ever seen, because he's got his schnoz right up Frank's tuchus. So notice, I'm stuck with the McWhitey Whiteys all weekend long when I take you to the break of dawn. I got the brothers. I got Bill Leon Long from WCBS FM, 40 year veteran there. I got Avery, you know, forget the telephone talent coordinator. That's a fake, phony, fraudulent position. Sounds good. But you do nothing, right? You really do nothing. You're a phone screener. And our nighttime producer, by the way, who loves to cut up tape of Frank Morano every week. We do the Frank Morano rap now. That's right. Not even his own team. There are people with no consequence. We do the Frank Morano rap every Sunday morning at 4 o'clock. In fact, I do the Sid Rosenberg rap every day at the end of my 45-minute rip and read and commentary session right after Bill O'Reilly's 15 minutes from 12.15 to 1 o'clock. And, in fact, I'll be on with Sid Rosenberg now starting this week twice a week as the antidote to... um, well, Sid, uh, going over to the dark side, embracing Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. He's got his lips soldered to his tuchus, and he's brought over with him. It's called Sid Rosenberg and Friends. It should really be Sid Rosenberg, Friends, Fiends, and Foes, because I'm a foe. Uh, Bo Dito has got his other lip soldered to uh, Eric Adams' tuchus. And then former Congressman Peter King, who is like falling in love with Eric Adams and his police commissioner that nobody can find Sewell. I never heard such nonsense from these guys. Hey, they didn't support me, although Sid did when I ran for mayor. But not Dito and not Peter King. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, if you were listening on Friday... Uh, Sid may have thrown a monkey wrench in his own plans. Remember, he has on his calendar December 14th, uh, Wednesday night. He promised everybody that as a kingmaker, he would have Rudy Giuliani, the greatest mayor we've ever had in our lifetime, in a sit-down with Eric Adams to discuss public safety and make amends for him calling Rudy a racist. Well, all of a sudden, I brought to Sid's attention Friday. He didn't like that, but he couldn't avoid it that Eric Adams is embracing reparations, 40 acres and a mule. That's right. So if your complexion is your protection, you get 40 acres and a mule. And like California, $223,000 per person. And who's going to pay for that? And thank God Sid said to the mayor, you're crazy. Three times, you're crazy. And now Eric Adams will not even respond to their texts. They're having a little spat, a little lover's quarrel. And when... And if just a few hours at 7.05, I'm going to throw more disinfectant into this. 
I'm going to make sure that it is a permanent separation and divorce. In fact, I'm going to make sure that Sid Rosenberg discovers, um, uh, what is that, uh, that law firm? Well, that's right. Uh, that, that, they, they, they charged you no money when you wanted a no-fault divorce, remember? You go your way, she goes her way. In this case, Sid goes his way, and Eric Adams goes his way. Jacoby and Myers. I'm going to make sure that Sid discovers Jacoby. Obviously, that is the um, <clears throat> the chosen person. And Myers, oh, no, he's a chosen person, too. But, hey, Eric Adams, you know, he's no longer an anti-Semite like he was in the 90s when he followed Farrakhan. But anyway, I'm going to make sure that this meeting never comes about. And the clock is ticking, ladies and gentlemen. one 800 But the latest battle from coast to coast, from California to New York, from North Dakota to Texas, is to ban thousands of teens from taking junior ROTC. Which, I mean, think about it. If you're in the hood and you got few, if any, prospects and you got gangs to your left, gangs to your right, drug dealers on the corner, uh, very little positive male role model uh, influence, uh, your Mac Daddy dad or whoever your uncle is or whoever's uh, laying up on the couch, uh, is like you'd rather him not be the male influence to these kids. So Junior ROTC has saved so many young adults and given them exposure potentially to a military career. And even if they didn't take it to that level <clears throat> as a professional career, just the fact that they had the military training, the discipline, the honor, the respect, the patriotism, understanding, they get civics there, which is not being taught in public schools. Why would you want to deprive that of a young person who at times is lost, is vapid, and is just sort of flowing and getting sucked into the vortex of the belly of the beast. Crime, drugs, decadence, and dysfunction. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. You know, maybe Alex Barnard can learn from uh, uh, this uh, performer here was now embedded in Phoenix. Alex Cooper used to get on the stage. And remember when they uh, built that gallows where they wanted to hang uh, Vice President Pence outside of the Capitol when they bum-rushed in? Hey, get Pence! We're going to hang him! What would Alex Cooper do at every performance? He'd hang himself, right? He'd hang himself. And mommies and daddies and parents against uh, the activities would say, Stop it, stop it. You're going to be encouraging our kids to commit suicide. 
Now, if you ever visited the gin mill of Alice Cooper, he's a conservative, he's a Republican in downtown Phoenix. He said, well, that was then, this is now. But I could see Alex Barnard saying, yeah, yeah, I I could do what Alex Cooper did, too, with my, what do they call that, deaf rock or whatever he does. Oh, God. School's out forever. Remember, this was our anthem. Although school was out for me, uh... Very quickly in my senior year in high school, as the Jesuits at Brooklyn Prep shined their boots on my backside, kicked me to the curb on Nostrand Avenue in Crown Heights and told me, hey, buddy, don't don't look back, and I never did. But let's talk about this situation involving schools because I got to tell you, the, the number one thing I'm getting now, ever since the lockdown in the and the pandemic in March of 2020, is that teachers are shell-shocked. Shell shock. Imagine this one teacher told me in uh, her classroom in junior high school, a male student began masturbating inside the classroom. An actor was recorded by a classmate and posted on a group chat. Sounds like what they're doing in Rikers Island, right? When the female screws, the CEOs come by to do a cell check. And then all of a sudden the guy wants to prove to her that he does not suffer from erectile dysfunction, right? You know what I would say? Hey, guy, come here. You, you, you got you, you, unsure yourself here. Put it right here. We're going to chop it off for you. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Chemical castration is your cure. Oh, let me have that music, please. So what are they doing? They're pushing thousands of teenagers out of ROTC all across America because they don't want them wearing their uniforms. It reminds me, uh, and I've told this story before, I must tell it again. A colleague of ours who has gone on to tremendous fame, tremendous uh, accreditation, Al Roker, right? First, just the weather guy. Then on the Today Show, all NBC, all the time. And Al's had a tough time of late medically with blood clots. As you know, he went through that procedure to reduce his weight. I don't know if that caused him any lingering problems, but he's back and forth in hospital. We wish him the best. I remember the one time I had a chance to interview Al Roker. He told me, hey, you know, Curtis, I lived in Canarsie when you were there. I said, really? Where'd you live? Bayview Projects. Exit 13, right? Rockaway Parkway. Howard Schultz uh, of... Uh, uh, of Starbucks lived there, and a whole bunch of others. And he said, you know, I was going to Xavier High School, then Jesuit High School on 6th Avenue, uh, 14th Street, you know, end of the L train at that time, LL train, Lousy Line. But you had to wear your grays, your cadet grays, twice a week. So here I am, a black kid in Canarsie, surrounded by Supreme Cool Jeans, who are trying to beat me with bats and wrenches and sticks and pipes on my way to catch the train. And then once I'm on the train, especially the two days that I had to wear my cadet grays, it's during the Vietnam War. These hippies are coming up to me. You from Vietnam? No, I'm too young. You baby killer. And they'd start hitting him. He said, I get that. Every time I had to wear my military grays, I had to run through a phalanx. I had to get the hell out of there. I think he moved to uh, Southeast Queens after that. But anyway, we wish him the best. But that was part of uh, Xavier's curriculum as a Jesuit high school. 
they had a very active and viable ROTC program. Look, Vinny Madugno that you hear every uh, Saturday and Sunday, 5 to 6, great entertainment show. He's a teacher by day, Port Richmond High School. A few years ago, I gave out the graduation certificates to the ROTC program at Port Richmond High School. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the uh, assistant principal who was in charge, a lovely woman, I think ended up dying of cancer. But what a great program they had there. And it really saves a lot of kids who potentially could be in crisis. <sighs> I mean, let me hear that again. Come on, come on, come on. This was the anthem. Alice Cooper. Oh, and did the teachers give me dirty looks? Mr. French, right? Mr. French in uh, Latin class, right? Broken prep, sophomore year. He's pacing up and down. I'm trying to cheat my way uh, in Latin. I get my crib notes, Caesar's Gallic Wars. And all of a sudden, I raise my hand. He goes, oh, Mr. French goes, Mr. Sliwa, well, what's on your mind? I say, uh, Mr. French, you got a problem. Oh, you're a shrink. Well, why don't you tell everybody here what my problem is? And I said, Mr. French, your problem is you have low self-esteem. Really? Low self-esteem? Why is that? Because you're not a freaking priest. And you get no respect because you're a brother. Bam! He hit my head. It swung around my shoulders like Linda Blair's in The Exorcist. Yeah, he always eye fornicating me, mad dog. I'm wondering, what is that Weisenheimer Sliwa going to say, huh? I'm trying to figure out, how can I cheat, man? It's like they got me boxed in here. The guy in front of me, no, 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 he's too far away. I got to put on the top of the sheet. JMJ, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. They thought that would ensure I wouldn't cheat right. Got to put a margin on the side. In the meantime, I'm looking over, and I'm saying, man, my eyesight must be gone. I used to be able to pick that up three rows away. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, let's go to Charlie in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Charlie. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? How do you think I'm doing, Charlie? I'm reminiscing how, as uh, as a youth, I was a wayward youth in school, being sent by the Jesuits after school jug. You know what jug stood for? Yeah, justice under God. That's right. And you had to sit there, hands folded, looking straight ahead. If you look to your left or your right, whoever was in charge of jug that day would say, guess what, you got weekend jug. And if you push your luck, you'll have perpetual jug with no lifetime parole. Curtis, I got to say, I love you because you're authentic New York. Well, I hope so. I'm not New Jersey, that's for sure. No, I love it. I want you to run for mayor again. These two nods didn't vote correctly this time. Next time they will. Anyway, Charlie, I understand that your sons have benefited from uh, junior ROTC. Absolutely. I have uh, my oldest son, Charlie. He's with the 75th Ranger Regiment, 1st Battalion now. He went to Xavier. He graduated. He went to West Point, branched infantry, went to the 82nd Airborne, and went to the 75th Ranger Regiment. No, no, the problem is, Charlie, he's too patriotic. Uh, He knows civics. He understands his responsibility, his moral responsibility, and his responsibility to our country can't do that anymore. We, we need. To, he's got to become a hater. He can't be. He can't be somebody who loves America. We got to turn him into a hater. You understand, Charlie? 
Now, there's enough people still left uh, that love America. My youngest son, Mike, he graduated. He's 21 now. He graduated the program. He wanted to go into the Air Force right away. So I said, fine. He went to the Air Force. He went to Korea for a year. He's in Germany now. He's an A1C in the Air Force. Wow. You see, you've taken the right course, and your sons have benefited from this, and our country has benefited from this. Yet, uh, you don't live in the hood there, right? No. The reality is I live out on Staten Island, but, you know, there's so many great programs. And there was a sergeant there, Sergeant Adams, that left Xavier, and he went to one of these programs in Jersey that, Basically, you know, they, it, it's underprivileged neighborhood, and he did a fantastic job. And there's a lot of great stories about that, turning people's lives around. You talked about Francis Lewis. They always had a great program. No, absolutely. And I would encourage it in each and every school. In fact, uh, Xavier has led in the Catholic schools. A lot of Catholic schools, they, don't, they, they frown on ROTC, unlike Xavier. Uh, but I, I would say, look, offer it as an opportunity. You're not showcasing it. You're just saying, look, here we have a wardrobe of options, young men and young women, one of them being uh, junior ROTC. If you take advantage of it, you may get your college education paid for. In return, you do service for America in one of the branches of military service. I think that's a fair bargain, especially you're in the hood. Imagine you're in the belly of the beast. You're surrounded by drug dealers. You're surrounded by dysfunction, despair. You can't escape the hood, right? Military is always giving you an option. Years ago, you wouldn't know this, Matt Blaze, even though you're a fugitive from law with multiple aliases. You get into trouble and you go before the judge. And let's say you hadn't uh, killed or raped anybody, but you had committed uh, what would be considered a pretty serious crime. Normally robbery, theft, B&Es, that kind of thing. The judge would look at you and say, hey, Matt, Gonna do you a solid. Rather than uh, lock you up, uh, you're joining Uncle Sam. You have no choice. You, you, you either get locked up or you join the United States Army, right? You get ready to ship out if you pass muster and you're going to boot camp. Uh, we're gonna make a man out of you, right? Oh, now you can't say that. Make a man out of you. How do you know I'm a man? How do you know I'm not non binary? Oh, excuse me. You know, the judge has to get the terms, you know, like, oh, God, I got to go through all 72 different sexual uh, preferences and um, gender identifications. It helps so many, so many young men and some young women over the years. They want to eliminate it. Let's go to Rick in Virginia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm trying to clear up something from a little earlier this morning. You were getting... uh Wound up about happy as a clam. I know this has nothing to do with what you're talking about, ROTC, but... Uh, oh, Rick, Rick, hold on a second. Yeah. I, I did mention that briefly. I, I, didn't, I didn't offer it as the entree, but it was an hors d'oeuvre. No one has yet adequately answered the question. Well, the, I got it. No, wait a second. Hey, hey, let me tell you. Do you live near the Tidewater Peninsula? Do you live near Norfolk? Do you live near a bay of water where there are actually clams? I do not, but I'm originally from California, so I'm, you know. Oh, wait a second. What the hell does that have to do with clams? They got clams there. Where? Clams at a high, that's stone to the bone. <laughs> I mean, you know that. Come on. 
<laughs> you go to Santa Cruz, right? Right there, right there. You got the redwood trees. You got the clams. They're like smoking herb there. They're like, no wonder why you're happy as a clam there. <laughs> yeah, that might be it. No, I got it. <clears throat> and oh, you by got the it. way, okay, I'm also got... a. Uh, I didn't do so well in high school, you know. The Dang. best thing I learned is where the exit door was. And that's true. You were so a student. Yeah, but no, this is it. It's the, the, that's, the phrase isn't just happy as a clam, it's actually happy as a clam at high tide. Because if it's high tide and somebody's out there, they, they can't go digging for clams if the tide is high. I asked you if you lived in the Tidewater Peninsula, and you said, no, I don't live near the Tidewater Peninsula. I don't live near Norwalk. Now you're telling me high tide. How the hell would you know what high tide is? <laughs> I've been to the ocean before. Come on. Yeah, or you use tide, right, like everybody else. Oh, what's yeah, the number one laundry yeah. detergent project? Tide, tide, Procter & Gamble. That's a cult. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You, ever, you ever fly into Cincinnati and you see the Procter & Gamble signal on that building, the largest building in downtown Cincinnati? I'm telling you, I could see it like it was yesterday, right near over the Rhine and Vine Street. That symbol, it's a cult symbol. And yet it produces most of the products that we buy in grocery stores and in supermarkets, including Tide. That's right. Rick, did you ever ask yourself, why do so many people buy Tide? Why don't they buy other laundry detergents? I remember when they produced Axion. Remember Axion? <laughs> they would eat the dirt up. Before you would even have to use the laundry detergent Tide. Use Axion. <laughs> and then it created phosphates in the ocean, which was bad because, obviously, it depleted on the number of fish, clams, trife, <laughs> oysters. <laughs> well, you threaded that needle, didn't you? <laughs> uh, so, so once again, let me get your answer to what it means to be happy as a clam. So it's happy as a clam in high tide. So, so what happens, happy in high what tide happens if it. it's freaking low tide? For every high tide, there's a low tide. You're telling well, me you're not so happy. Oh, then I, how do you know? Do you look at a clam? Can you tell if the clam is happy? I know every time I look at a clam, it's like it, it's taking in water and then it goes, it pisses at me, right? You ever see a clam do that at you? <laughs> yeah. You think that's when they're pissed off, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's low tide, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, when it, it. yeah. and when it's high tide, oh, they get that big smile on their face. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Rick. Did you ever order clams in a restaurant, baked clams, you know, with the uh, with the uh, breadcrumbs on it, huh? Sure. Do you think they're happy then when they're being put into an oven? I can say they are not. Do you think they're happy when they're boiling the clams? <laughs> they are not. Okay, all right. So only when it's high tide. That's it. Okay. The rest of the time, they're All pretty right. miserable. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what. Stay on the line, Rick, because we're going to give you a courtesy little booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers. Boy, if every one of my callers would laugh like that, man, that's what good talk radio is about. Oh, unless you want to go back to talking about Democrats suck, Republicans are great. Uh, enough, enough. Oh, my God. We do enough of that Monday through Fridays. I'd rather talk about being happy as a clam. Now, I don't know if I accept everything that Rick said in Virginia since he didn't live near the Tidewater Peninsula. Those of you who served in the Navy, you know what I'm talking about right there, Norfolk, right? You know about clams. You also know about crabs. No, no. 
Not the ones out at sea. The ones that if you don't use the blue soap when you're on leave. Boy, those STDs, it ain't like Andy Granatelli's STP, the race's edge. You know, when you get that letter from the Department of Health. Uh, Naval Cadet. Uh, Matt Blaze, I must inform you that you were in the Philippines. That's right. You went there for Fleet Week, and uh, you got crabs. I guess you didn't use the uh, Navy-issued blue soap that we regularly uh, would give all the guys before they got frisky. Should have put some saltpeter in your Cheerios in the mornings. That's not what I'm talking about. Because then you're not happy as a clam. Oh, my God. How many people do I have to contact now? Do I have to go back to the Philippines? It was like, what, 10, 12? And I didn't even know if they were men or women sometimes. I was so blitzed. 1-800-848-9222. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, this is so good. Oh, this is so good. Look at these people. They want to talk politics. Well, what are they? I, I don't understand this. I, I really don't understand this. And people, they're like addicted. You know, I think I, I need to set up a rehab, you know, and just listen to people. Democrats suck. Republicans are great. I think uh, we need a talk radio rehab for them. It's like lighten up. Time for some belly laughs. This is a weekend of entertainment. You just had... A Frank Sinatra 107th birthday celebration, of which I might add I did not partake. You know, I got my problems with Sinatra, but hey, I'm a team player here. I took one for the team. I took the code of Omerta. What about Carlo Gambino, huh? The Westchester Playhouse. Sitting there with all my enemies, huh? I could have said that. I could have walked in. On stage, I could have said, what about Carlo Gambino, the Westchester Playhouse? But I said, no. I'm a team player. Let's go to Elizabeth in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Elizabeth. I just want to say that people have to try to start getting along with each other. I'm fed up with this constant, everyone, if everybody agreed with everybody all the time, it would be very boring. It would be horrible if everyone you spoke to agreed with what you said. On the other hand, you have to be able to disagree and then walk away and shake hands. No, 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 no. Hold, hold, hold on a second, Elizabeth. I'm trying, I'm, I'm in a little flashback mode. Rodney, is this your Rodney King moment? Can't we all just get along? Is this, is this your Rodney King moment, Elizabeth? I, I want you, no, because you have to, I, it would be boring if everybody got along and were great friends, but I think you have to disagree. I think it's good to disagree. And then I think it's good to not disagree. I mean, I think you have to have change. I'm a cardiologist. I'm a doctor. I'm not a typical doctor. I'm very atypical. Now, let me ask you a question, Elizabeth. Excellent question. Yesterday, in my three-hour sojourn between shows, I had a few heart palpitations. I had what you call agita because I saw all these men and women, these McWhitey-Whiteys, drunk, urinating, defecating, projective vomiting, in the image of Santa Claus, Chris Kringle, St. Nicholas, and I wanted to kill You were having a panic attack. I, I did. You, were having, you, weren't, you weren't having angina. You were having a panic attack. 
you were taking a look at what, what, what was going on outside, and your heart couldn't take it. You couldn't take it. That's a panic attack. I wanted to we kill them. We all get them. those things. I, I really wanted to kill them, Elizabeth. I, I really did. And you know what my antidote was? You know what my panacea was? As I came to do another one of my many shifts on the weekend, I walked into these studios. My crew, uh, the brothers, not the McWhitey Whiteys here, Avery and uh, Broadway Billy knew, man, don't mess with this white guy. He's psycho tonight. And I listened to Tony Orlando and and his brother put together a playlist of what they call Yacht Rock. You know what Yacht Rock is, Elizabeth? No, but oh, I might like it. Oh, you have to. Can you to. dance to it? Oh, no, I am telling you, I was stunned for two hours I heard classics that he revived from the 80s that I had forgotten about. My mood, uh, what a mood elevator. By the time the two-hour show finished and I had to come on and take people to the break of dawn, I was being pleasing, pleasant, and polite. In fact, if you were a diabetic, I would have given you insulin shock, Elizabeth. Well, if, if, if it makes you dance and makes you move, that's the only way. Oh, and yeah, but don't, is very important. yeah, but don't tell that to Frank Morano. You know, Frank Morano's on the other side of midnight from one to five. He doesn't believe in dancing. He believes that you should play Parcheesi, you should oh, play please. Monopoly instead, checkers, chess. No, no what, what, I, um, what I do is when someone is sick, I make them get out of bed, I make them walk, I make them move. You can't just lie like a latka. You have to get up, you've got to move, you've got to. You, you can't just lie lie down and do nothing. When you're sick, you can be sick, but you have to move a little bit. If you don't move a little bit, you're in a lot of trouble. It's very important. No, you know, you're right. Moving. You're right. I remember when I was shot up with those hollow point bullets, five hollow point bullets throughout my extremities. Uh, every day they would say, Curtis, you got to get up. You got to take uh, laps here in Bellevue. I said, no, one little problem. Every other room. There's a prisoner from Rikers Island, you know, like a guy who just uh, killed three people. What the hell are they doing here? You ever think of that, Elizabeth? No. Why are they on the same ward as taxpaying citizens who just no, got... No, they shouldn't be. No, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. By the way, if I ever have a cardiac the... problem, because any day, you know, I, I know I'm going to stroke out. I know any day this, this thing of mine, it goes beep, beep, beep. It's going to go... Like John Ritter, just from the agita, the anger, Elizabeth. I want you, you to be. On, I, I want you to be on call. Could you be on call, please, uh, Elizabeth? Sure. Excellent. I'm stay on. Stay call. on the line. Hey, please, Ken. What the hell are you, Ken? Oh, that's right. Uh, Frank Morano's for toots over you, uh, the runway model who does this to supplement your massive income, right? Like this is your uh, side hustle here, answering phone calls. Would you please get Elizabeth's number? Because when I really lose it, and I will with Frank Morano's crew, well, my heart goes ka-thump, 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 and I go crazy. And I don't have Tony Orlando and his program with that. I was introduced to Yacht Rock. His brother put together a playlist. I mean, I reached out to Tony and his brother. I said, man, that's like... Stuff is so good. It's like it's my musical Prozac. It's actually calming me down. This way, I won't be doing triple life without parole. Because everybody would say, Curtis, we know you're psycho boy. Okay, but you see, this stuff is like I was like so relaxed. 
I could actually talk about the CIA criminals in action, the propaganda from Putin, the propaganda from the United States, the propaganda, none of which I believe I'm going to be talking about in the next hour. You haven't heard yet here at WABC, unless you were up when I was taking you to the break of dawn. Thank God Elizabeth is on call. Any moment this could happen, especially with you, Matt Blaze. You who I know, you... You're the fugitive, I know. And look, uh, HR won't listen to me. I say, check this guy's aliases out, man. I'm telling you, he's a product of three-eyed cousin fornicators in a trailer park outside of Sarasota, Florida. Yeah, you see, you're smiling. I figured you out. I profiled you. Remember, this is also the anniversary when uh, Jim Morrison of the Doors, who wasn't born that far away in Sarasota, Florida, was arrested in New Haven, Connecticut, for lewd behavior on stage. And we were almost denied the magnificent, magnificence of Jim Morrison and the Doors, dead at 27, along with Janis Joplin, along with, uh, oh, by the way, Joe Piscopo's son was playing, oh, my God. He was playing the guitar like Jimi Hendrix tonight in honor of Jimi Hendrix. All three died at 27. Jim Morrison and the Doors arrested in New Haven for lewd behavior because he was gyrating on the stage. Oh, my God. The sin of omission. Arrest him. Lock him up. Throw away the key. 1-800-848-9222. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a clam. Love Jim Morrison. Love the dog. Arrested him in New Haven. Banned him from the USA. Jackie Gleason actually had a demonstration against him. Jackie Gleason! At the Orange Bowl, Anita Bryant performed, and yes, Kate Smith against. Oh, say it ain't so, Kate. Oh, say it ain't so against Jim Morrison and the Doors. You know why they wanted them banned from the USA? Love this, love this. Woman. 
alive. Don't believe it when you go to Paris, as I did, and looked at his gravesite. He's alive. He's Machiavelli. He's alive, Jim Morrison. You know, uh, speaking of happy as a clam, uh, in the Animal Welfare Hour coming up 11 to 12, the most listened to, most uh, requested of the many hours that I do at WABC, the acronym standing for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, I'm going to ask Nancy. She grew up in Bohemia, Suffolk County, right? Not far from the uh, Oyster Bay, right? Oyster Bay, right? Okay. Long Island Sound, lots of oysters, lots of clams. I remember going to the Oyster Festival at Oyster Bay, right? Can, can I just have, like, a regular oyster? No, it's baked. I don't want the breadcrumb. I just want regular. No, we don't have What do you mean? You get, like, 50 stands of oysters, and all of them have breadcrumbs in it. I don't want baked oysters with breadcrumbs. In fact, I want 50 oysters. I don't need that Viagra Cialis, Levitra. 50 oysters a day. Like Casanova used to have, right? You won't have any libido problems. But oh my God, what gastronomically your stomach must look like. Uh, swallowing slurpy. <laughs> 50 oysters a day. Anyway, let's go to Robert in Suffolk. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Hey, Curtis. Uh, I've just introduced a, a new abandoned cat that I rescued into the gang, and uh, it looks like he's happy as a pig in slop. Happy as a pig, a Hazrai in slop. Now, I'm thinking back. <laughs> I did have an experience because when visiting the Polish side of my family in Chicago, they had left 46 in Rockwell. They had the compound in Lockport, which was between Chicago and Joliet, all farmland at that time. And my grandfather, Anton, was from Limanova with my grandmother, Wanda. Uh, after we had our meal, you'd have to slop the hogs in the backyard, you know, with whatever was left on the table. And he said, uh, come, Curtis, and let me tell you something, man. There were, there were these big pigs, and, and I had this little pail of scraps, and they like I thought they were going to, like, bury me, bury me in that pig pen. <laughs> But I got to tell you, Robert, those are extraordinarily smart animals. Pigs. I heard. When I observed, I was just five years old at the time, and I'm watching my grandfather feed the pigs and talk to them. He'd have conversations with them. I'd say, my grandfather's lost it, right? He's talking to pigs. And he would talk to them after he had slopped the hogs. Soey, 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 soey. And then all of a sudden, every time he'd make a point to them, they'd go, Can you believe that, Robert? Yep. They were conversing with my grandfather, Anton. And he had there with me, my grandfather, and he would have the crackers, Polish ham on the table, and I would look at that Polish ham, and I'd look outside at those big hazari, those pigs, and I would say, Oh, my God, I wonder if this is one of the pigs from outside that he was slopping the hogs and having a conversation with. What do you think, Robert? <laughs> it was probably the neighbors for him. No, no, the neighbors, the neighbors there, they had scarecrows, lots of scarecrows. Oh, and I said, Grandpa, what are those scarecrows? You see, the crows won't come for the corn. 
and it was amazing. Crows would be flying all over the place. You know, they would, but they wouldn't land because of a stupid scarecrow. And I would say, boy, crows are not that smart. And then my father, Chester, hey, I grew up with Jimmy the Crow on my shoulder going to Sherman Park Public School. And Jimmy, he flew with me each and every day. He waited on the ledge until I was finished and flew home. Oh, God, man, I almost caught a beatdown from my dad when I said crows aren't that smart. You do believe crows are smart, don't you, Robert? I believe they are, yeah. So this is what I want you to do, Robert. Not now. It's a little too cold, and the crows have flown south for the winter. When they fly back in the spring, I want you to pretend to be a scarecrow in front of your house and see how smart the crows are when they avoid you. How about that, Robin, huh? Huh? Okay. Huh, Robin? You. Huh? Yeah, all right. Talk Radio 77 WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. When this song is played by the DJ from Moscow to St. Petersburg, no, no, not Florida, St. Petersburg, you know, up near the Arctic Circle where it could be shining all day long. What a magnificent city. And then you go out to Siberia and every port of call in between. When the DJ plays this song in Mother Russia, you better get off your tukas and be at least toe-tapping or... It's number one with a bullet, a Kalashnikov bullet in the back of your head. Or as Vladimir Putin said in a three-hour press conference to show you that he was virile. He was vibrant. He was alive. He finally said to the Russian press, you know, you can't trust anyone. You can only trust me. And they all applauded. Yay, Vlad, Vladdy, Vladdy, Vlad. Propaganda, right? Let me tell you something. I don't trust their government. I don't trust our government. I don't trust any of that nonsense that we've heard over the past week. And I've been listening very intently here to WABC like parrots. Parrots. Ooh, ooh, Brittany. Brittany Grind, a basketball player. Boo. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Victor Boot, merchant of death. Ooh, he turned children in the jungles of Africa into child soldiers. And then, of course, oh, the Marine. Uh, let's snap a salute. You know, next to, uh, who was that in the uh, movie, uh, Iwo Jima there, planting the flag? Was that Paul Whelan, USMC? Man, it's like, oh, my God. Goma Pyle, right? USMC. God daily. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Paul Whelan was not a good guy. Oh, you know, Marines, they don't leave anybody back on the battlefield. Guess what? They washed them out of the Marines for stealing Social Security numbers. 
And by the way, he has uh, passports from four different countries. Four different countries. Let's see, the United States, okay. Canada, Britain, and Ireland. You know what that spells to me? CIA, criminals in action. What do you need four passports for, right? Stealing social security numbers. Hmm, what was he doing with those while he was in the USMC? Oh, he's a hero. We can't leave him behind. And he got some Marines there, right? Oh, hey, we got to go get him. Are you schmucks? This guy was guilty of espionage. Our spies versus their spies. Remember when you got Mad Magazine when you were a kid, Alfred E. Newman, what me worry with the flies flying around his head, and then you would open up the pages, and it would be spy versus spy. It would be the white-clad spy and the black-clad spy. And he would say, oh, the black-clad spy, that must be the Ruskies. And the white-clad spy, that must be us. The good spies versus the bad spies. Oh, like Rocky and Bullwinkle, right? Cold War against Boris and Nastasha, right? Ken has no idea what the hell I'm talking about, right? Ken here is a bit vapid. You know, Cold War, is it cold outside? I, I don't know. It was okay. Uh, I didn't have to put my galoshes on and my uh, long johns, you know, with the union flap in the back. That's all you care about, Ken. I don't know why uh, Frank Morano is so mesmerized by you, Ken. I don't want you breaking up his family. It's bad enough, you know. He, Oh, did you see? Uh, the, the woman of his dreams, no longer Tulsi Gabbard, but Selena Gomez made a cameo appearance in Saturday Night Live last night, and he didn't go. He said, oh, my God, she was there. I could have been there. Selena, it's me. So maybe that's why he's got this fatuation for you. The ladies have turned him down, Tulsi Gabbard, Lady in White, Selena Gomez. It's okay. Placate him, you know, because we're all... Uh, what do we call it? Uh, not, 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 I got a lisp. Okay, it's really, I can pronounce the word. Narcissistic. Narcissism, you know. He, he's guilty of that. I am um, Sid Rosenberg. The worst of all, right? Sid Rosenberg, the peacock strutting around. It's okay. Placate him. Placate him. Do, do me a fight. You know what's happened. I got to let you in on what's happening here at WABC. Sid Rosenberg knows he's gone over to the dark side. He's too far in the tank for Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. He's got his lips on the left hookus of Eric Adams, and Bo Dito's on the right hookus, and Peter King is somehow trying to forge his way into the middle. So he said, you know, I better have you on because it's, it's Sid Rosenberg and friends now. And I said, only if it becomes Sid Rosenberg, friends, fiends, and foes, and I'm your foe, Mondays at 7.05 and Fridays at 7.05. This way, I create ubalancia for all the uh, sycophantody and lackeyism that he will exhibit towards Eric Adams all during the week. I'll be the antidote, the start of the week and the end of the week, right? And by the way, the clock is ticking. We were promised by the kingmaker, King Herod himself, uh, Sid Rosenberg, that there would be a sit-down of gargantuan order involving Eric Adams, our mayor, and the greatest mayor we've ever had, Mike Kumbaticic, Rudy Giuliani. Yes, he said, Matt Blaze, I have it on the calendar. Wednesday night, December 14th, at a location to be determined. If it ever does happen, I will be at that location early. I will go to the bookhouse. I will go to the bathroom. I will make sure if Rudy needs it, it's there. 
I'll leave that to your imagination. But anyway, let's uh, first talk about Paul Whelan. And many of you, uh, you already had him. Uh, the Battle of Iwo Jima, the most heroic U.S. Marine of all time. Oh, my God. And when you mention Paul Whelan left behind, I mean, uh, P for patriotism, right? The guy's a crook. The guy, not only when he got washed out of the Marines for stealing Social Security numbers, then got hired by a company that wanted him to s- send him back into Russia to steal files, which he did and got caught. Just like they send guys over here to steal files, and then they get caught. And then it's spy versus spy. So don't worry about it. They're going to give up a spy. We give up a spy, and he'll be back stealing from us in civilian capacity. Well, wait, he was stealing as a United States Marine. He was stealing in private business, although it was espionage. So now we're going to bring him back to Ohio, spy versus spy. We're going to do a swap. Maybe at the old Berlin Wall for old time's sake. You know, T2 tank pointed at us from the Russian side, Patton tank from the American side, and we did the the, uh, the prisoner swaps, right? Good guy, right? Oh, God, we can't leave him behind. He's a Marine. No, he's not. He got washed out. So that's the number one story that I heard endlessly on this station over and How oh, could we leave Paul Whelan behind a Marine? Ladies and gentlemen, I ask all of you, could you be independent thinkers? Can you not be parrots? Can you not just repeat what some of the numb, numbnuts uh, commentators here at WABC and other talk radio outlets and talk TV outlets say? Because they read from the same talking points. You know, it's like it comes out every morning. Yes, this is my, oh, I must repeat, Paul Whelan is a hero. We left him behind. Okay, let's look at uh, Brittany Griner. Oh, what a piece of work she is, right? We saw her right in that work camp. We saw they had her in a little bed. Uh, what's that guy's uh, furniture store they were always advertising on TV? He's like a little Muppet. What's the name of that guy? Do you ever see that furniture, <laughs> that low-budget furniture that Bob's Discount? It's like she had a, a bed from Bob's Discount. She's six foot nine. This was like a bed. Would have been for my son Hunter, you know, like four foot two, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. So he did ten, ten months for for vape oil, right? Oh, vape. Oh, it was for medicinal purposes. Sure, it was. Sure, it was. So we've been told. Oh my God. Nobody will go over there. Nobody from America. Are you kidding? They all saw what happened to Brittany Griner. Really. They all saw what happened to Brittany Griner. Are you aware that there are 42 Americans playing professional basketball in Russia now more than ever before? In fact, there's even an American female playing for the Russian women's basketball team that Griner represented before her arrest. And they've been offered an opportunity to come back. Why should I come back? They give me a million dollars cash, no questions asked. I get a car, I get a condo, uh, and I get all the women that I can take care of, including if I'm a female basketball player, right? Does it get any better than that? And by the way, I can't play in the NBA anymore. I mean, I, I mean but I'm making a million dollars because they think I'm a good basketball player. More Americans are playing professional hockey and professional basketball than ever before. This is after... Griner got sent into the gulag. And I love it. I love it when people say, oh, yeah, you know, this is just like the Cold War. 
I grew up in the Cold War. No, it's not. Duck and cover. Remember duck and cover under the desk? Remember duck and cover. Uh, we saw those PSAs at any moment. Nikita Khrushchev, in a vodka rage, could release those weapons of mass destruction. He actually had them. You know, he, he really did. It wasn't uh, what we were looking. We're still looking for him in Iraq. Weapons of mass destruction. No, Nikita Khrushchev had it. And, you know, he threatened to obliterate us. Remember those, those posters in the subway? Remember the advertisements? We will bury you! Nikita Khrushchev taking his shoe off. God, he must have stunk out the General Assembly. Banging his shoe. We will bury you! And we said, oh, God. He's going to annihilate us. This is the Cold War. Um, back then... In the 60s, we didn't have any of our professional basketball players playing basketball in Russia, not in Siberia, St. Petersburg, or Moscow. That was a real Cold War. There was nothing going on other than if you had a pair of jeans back then. You see, Ken, all you had to do was show blue jeans, Wranglers especially. Come in, Americas! We love Wranglers, dungarees! That's detente. As long as you were willing to trade a pair of dungarees for a bottle of vodka and a bottle of uh, cheese that looked like it had become penicillin. Yeah, that, that, was the, that was the Cold War. This is not a Cold War. We got Americans going back and forth. And by the way, Russians, they're addicted to what? Cigarettes, vodka, and Snickers bars. And where do they make Snickers bars? The United States Mars Company. I think their international headquarters in New Jersey. Ask them if they're stopping uh, selling Snickers to the uh, addicted Russians. No, they're still making lots of money there. Stop this nonsense. Stop this. Oh, my God. So many Americans have seen what happened to Brittany Kreiner. They will never go to Russia. By the way, they're asking their agents, can I go play in Russia? I see the oligarchs, they're offering cash, American cash, car, condo, women, and, by the way, vape. As long as I'm not carrying it on the plane. You know, they provide the vape. Yeah. (sighs) Reminds me of Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish was a great center one time for the Boston Celtics. And he would be on the road, and when he would come back, there would be a big Federal Express envelope of sense. No seeds, no stems already picked out. All he did all day long was smoke in between practices. I've read Arbach, right, the coach. He had no idea. He was smoking cigars. So one day, uh, the dog comes. And at the airport, Logan Airport, they determine this is not what is on the package. So they trail it to Robert Parrish's home. He's like 6'10", right? He's an imposing figure. Did you order marijuana, Federal Express? He goes... Yeah. Oh, you're Robert Parrish. Oh, man. The South's going to go all the way. You're going to take it to Magic Johnson and the Lakers, right? Here's here's your marijuana. Oh, God. And you believe this propaganda crap on both sides? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No American would ever go to Russia any longer. That's it. It's cold. No, it's not. You know, business deals are being made fast and furiously. People in high tech are going over there to work for Russian companies because they're being paid in cash, more money than they can make here. Do you think they're saying to themselves, gee whiz, I might end up uh, in a uh, little child's bed in a work camp somewhere in Siberia? No, they're taking the cash. That's very American, right? Hey, follow the money. Follow the money. 
So that's number two. Number two, okay? Okay, let's deal with the merchant of death here. Oh, God, oh, my God, this is the worst person ever to have lived. How could we trade a basketball player who would take a knee to Black Lives Matter, which is now Big Large Mansions? By the way, Griner and her wife, they have a fairly big, large mansion outside of Phoenix, but not as big as Black Lives Matter has in Toronto, Los Angeles, North Carolina, and God knows where else. She says she wants to speak now. She wants to be heard now that she's back. She landed in Texas. She's back in Arizona. She wants to have a press conference. Do we think that Griner will be flying American flags, little American flags like George Foreman in the 1968 Mexico City Olympics when, uh, as a member of Job Corps, what he called Job Jail, he represented the United States in the heavyweight division and the Russian loss to him, I think, the Russian was injured, and so on a technicality, he won the gold medal. He would have knocked out the Russian. I mean, this guy was a killer. And he walked around, and he waved the American flag. Everybody, hey, we love George Foreman. And then he took on Muhammad Ali, a.k.a. Cassius Clay. He was the heel. We hate George Foreman. Then he came up with the grill, right? We love him. See, this is America. You, you reach a pinnacle, then you, you dive and from the ashes, uh, you snatch victory from the ashes of defeat, and all of a sudden you're like the phoenix once again. See phoenix? And Brian, you see, you get that, Matt Blaze? And all of a sudden you're a hero again or a heroine or what? No, not not, not, not heroin that you inject. No, you know, her, right? Heroine, H-E-R-O-I-N-E, right? Isn't that correct, I think? So now you're all buying into Victor Boot, this merchant of death. Oh, my God, he has taken children in Central Africa, in the Congo, that most of you can't even find on a map, I might add. And he's turned them into child soldiers. Victor Boot, now that he's released, did you see him when he was on that jet? He was already on the cell phone making deals. Probably in cryptocurrency, bitcoins, and blockchain, right? Yeah, like he's been out of the game 15 years. Like there are other, not other merchants of death all over the world. They say, oh, Victor Boot is back. I guess we're going to have to retire, you know. Uh, death and destruction is his and his alone. Victor Boot. Now that he's out, Zelensky, you got a problem in the Ukraine. He's going to find every spare weapon available around the world, and he's going to arm the Russians. And from a ragtag group of mercenaries and Hessians, they're going to become a professional fighting force, like we saw in World War II when they turned back the Nazi horde. And you buy that propaganda. Yeah, you, you suck it all up. You know, be an independent thinker. Be a free agent. Don't buy anybody's arguments until you have fully done your own deep dive. When I was growing up, there was a guy named Adnan Khashoggi. In fact, I was speaking with John Katzmatidis, our owner and operator, earlier today, right before he had to go on stage for the Frank Sinatra extravaganza. I said, did you ever meet Adnan Khashoggi? He said, uh, no, but I, I knew of him. Yeah, world's richest man. $10 billion back in the 70s. Where did he make most of that money from? Arms. Merchant of death. But he was our merchant of death. Adnan Khashoggi, featured on Robin Leach's Lifetime of the Rich and Famous. Oh, yeah, I'm going to remind you. Now, you know who didn't like Adnan Khashoggi? The Soviet Union. It's a merchant of death. He's creating child soldiers. Where? In Africa. To repel us. Where? 
Hmm, let's see. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. Wherever there's oil, 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 oil. Please, don't get sucked into this, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be like Ken. Ken, you know, he takes, oh, who, yeah, uh, makes sense to me. That's right. Merchant of Death, Brittany Griner, evil, no good, uh, oh, oh, Paul Whalen, hero. Let me, let me snap a salute, right? It's Iwo Jima, USMC. Oh, Shazam. Hey, I was going with Pyle, USMC, right? As truthful as that. And you think that they would accept him in Camp Pendleton, right, outside of San Diego? You think Paris Island South... Oh, Paul Whalen's coming home. We got to have a parade for him. No. He's a thief. That's why the CIA likes him. That's why I call the CIA criminals in action. They love criminals. Because what do they do? Commit crime. Supposedly for patriotic reasons. When the hell has the CIA ever been right? Let's let let's count away. So Bay of Pigs, right? Oh man, boy, they blew that one, right? Bay of Pigs, right? right. Let's see. Weapons of mass destruction? Hmm. No, no, I'm still looking for them. Oh, it'll be a year before the Taliban grow in strength. Don't worry, Joe. Pull the troops out now. Two weeks? Oh, there goes Kabul. <laughs> CIA, right? Who are they answerable to? I don't know. Deep State. Uh, Do they have a budget? None of your business. They walk around with suitcases full of money, and we trust them not to take a little bit of the schedule themselves. Is there any transparency? No. They have to operate undercover. That's what makes them effective. When have they ever been right? Ladies and gentlemen, I offer you an opportunity to correct me. The CIA, since its inception after World War II, when the hell has the CIA ever been right? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. The founder of the Guardian Angels. A group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Lifetime of the Rich and Famous, featuring Robin Leach. Oh, yes, he had them all, from Donald Trump to so many others all over the world. But he was uh, paid a lot of money by Adnan Khashoggi to do a puff piece about Adnan Khashoggi, world's richest guy at that time. $10 billion. The second richest guy was John Paul Getty. You know, Getty Oil, right? $4 billion. That's a big differential, right? But, uh... In fact, let's go, if we can, to the audio tape. Let me give a little smidgen uh, of um, a fair and balanced individual, Robin Leach, never to be bribed, never to be uh, paid to do propaganda, like by Adnan Khashoggi. Uh, If it wasn't money, like, which one of my concubines would you like, Robin? Uh, Let's hear what he had to say about Adnan, merchant of death in the 70s. For Adnan Khashoggi, a lifestyle of heroic excess is matched only by the zeal of the global press to explain this mysterious mogul whose name and face appear in headlines across the world. The multi-million dollar deal, the 2.5 billion dollar divorce case. 
seen with Farrah or Liza or Frank Sinatra and pictured in the tabloids with Jackie O and Joan Collins. America's richest man, Gordon Getty, has $4.1 billion compared to Khashoggi's estimated $10 billion. And though the cameras follow his every move, Khashoggi rarely talks to the press. Instead, they just speculate about him. But now the facts. He was born in Mecca in 1935 under the sign of Leo to a middle-class family. His Muslim religion and loyalty to the Saudi royal family are the pillars upon which his empire is built. $10 billion. Notice how he, a uh, little caveat there, well, you know, mysteriously has earned $10 billion selling weapons to anybody who would pay for them. Some of you who are students of history remember Iran Contra. You remember how Ronald Reagan at that time tried to convince us that we should fund the Contras taking on the Sandinistas of Daniel Ortega, supported by Bill de Blasio and his wife Charlene. Yes, they were down there. They were they were like offering their help to the Sandinistas, to the dictator, the pedophile Daniel Ortega. Yeah, he's a pedophile on a pedestal. Still, he's like dictator for life, right? Hey, hey, let me do a shout-out to Park Slope there. Hey, your hero, uh, Daniel Ortega, could use a visit from you, Bill de Blasio and Charlene. You ripped us off for $1.5 billion for a program that never existed, Thrive, that was supposed to help the emotionally disturbed. Maybe you can take some of that cash and go visit Danielle Ortega, president for life, and his his wife, vice president for life. The only one they haven't arrested in Nicaragua now is the Cardinal. His turn will come. But I digress here momentarily. You heard the big buildup about Adnan Khashoggi, right? Robin Leach was paid a lot of money. Saudi money, because Adnan Khashoggi, he actually supplied the tow missiles that went to the Ayatollahs in the Iran-Contra deal. Arms for hostages, remember? Arms for the hostages in Iran once Ronald Reagan was elected. You didn't think that they just... You see, this is the narrative. The Ayatollahs were in Tehran, and they said, oh, shucks. Jimmy Carter has lost the week one, and now we got the crazy man with the nuclear football. We better give up all. All the hostages tomorrow. Because once Ronald Reagan is sworn in, if we haven't released the hostages, he will bomb, bomb, bomb Iran. No, that was John McCain singing that song, the Beach Boys classic, remember? Meantime, we find out nothing of the sort. Typical bullfeather narrative. We had been negotiating for the hostages through Adnan Khashoggi's friend in Iran. We say, I tell you what. We're missing uh, one important ingredient here. We need an Israeli arms dealer. Okay, you deal arms, I deal arms, the Israeli deals. Hey, this isn't about religion. No, no, this is about money. So we're going to give tow missiles to the Iranians, our enemies, the Ayatollahs, to get the hostages, making Ronald Reagan look like a million bucks. And Jimmy Carter crawling back to Plains, Georgia, going blah, 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 blah. And all of you, yeah. You know why they let those hostages go? They knew Ronald Reagan had sworn in. He was going to turn Iran into a glass highway, right? You believe that, right, Matt Blaze? All of you, you believe that propaganda. I never believed a word of it. Ali North, remember, behind the scenes in the bowels of the White House, Ali North with Admiral Poindexter. Ronald Reagan, did you know anything about... Weapons for hostages, Iran-Contra, which was illegal against the Bolin Act. Huh? What? What? He had early dementia on that one, right? What about you, Bush? You used to be the head of the CIA, Bush 41, vice president. I am not permitted to answer that question. 
So then who did it? It's Admiral Poindexter. We're to believe it was Admiral Poindexter. He threw himself on the sword. Admiral, who's Admiral Poindexter? Uh, it was me and me alone. You mean the president didn't know? Nope. You mean the vice president, former head of the CIA, didn't know? Nope. Only I knew. Lock me up, throw away the key. Admiral Poindexter, I'm guilty. And all of you say, oh, that's okay. That's good. Good. Ronald Reagan does not get thrown out of office. Bush doesn't get thrown away. This is good. Somebody took the rap. And what about you, Ollie North? What about you, Ollie? What do you know, Ollie North? And he was happy as a clam. <laughs> because <laughs> at who point next it took the rap? Come on. But you all wanted to buy the narrative. Democrats, evil. Evil Ronald Reagan, Bush, Admiral Poindexter, Ali North, Republicans, hero, Ali North, hero. Oh, Marine, right? Right? He was a Marine, right? Right. I think a real Marine, right? Right. What was the secretary shredding papers there while she was smoking crack? You know what I'm talking about. Come on. No, no, please, please, don't get me upset. Uh, you know, I got my lane is my team is always right. Their team is always wrong. There's never truth in the middle. It's our narrative versus their narrative. Evil, bad. Democrats, evil. Republicans. Well, there's Jesus Christ, there's God the Father, and then there's the Republican Party, the RNC. Ha, they're all full of bull feathers. Don't believe that crap. But no, you're so willing to believe this. And then, oh, I love this one. Vladimir Putin, how long have we been hearing this? Even before the invasion of the Ukraine 10 months ago. Vladimir Putin, he's got brain cancer, he's got blood cancer. Look at his hands, they're bruises. Shows you he's had intravenous injections. Look at him shake. It's like he's got Parkinson's disease. Worse than Muhammad Ali and Janet Reno and uh, Yasser Arafat combined. Any day he's going to die. Any day he's a recluse. Nobody has seen him. In fact, last week what happened, he fell down the stairs, he didn't have his medical alert button, and he soiled himself, right? <laughs> now, you know Vlad heard that. What? I could see myself falling down the stairs, drunk from vodka, that's what Russians do. But soiling my pants? That's an attack on my manhood. So what did he do last week? He went all over Russia. Bing, 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 ricochet rabbit. Press conferences. He's drinking champagne with his soldiers. He's having a good old time. He said, oh, so you think I soiled my pants, do you? You want to look at my BVDs, my fruit of the loom? You know, my mother taught me in St. Petersburg. She said, little Vlad, one thing you got to learn in life Always make sure your underwear are clean because you never know you might end up in the ER. And one thing our family would never be able to live down is that if everybody heard you had dirty drawers, you might die. You might be on a ventilator. That's okay. People expect that. But if word gets out that you didn't have a clean pair of drawers on when the doctors examined you, that stain, because it is a stain, will be on the name Putin to the day we all die. How many of your mothers told you that? Right, Ken, you, you, uh, what, what would you know? You wear underwear all the time in your runway. You know, you do, you're up and down like those models, you know, like there's a stickball, uh, stick up there, tuchus, you know, they're all bopping around. I don't know what, nobody walks like that. So, uh, Vladimir Putin is supposed to be dead. Any minute, there's gonna be an insurrection. Any minute, 
It's going to be to the barricades. No. Sorry. <laughs> uh, their propaganda versus our propaganda. Can you believe any of this crap? Come on, ladies and gentlemen. The man fell down the stairs and soiled his pants. Right? The insult of all insults. You know, some CIA guy go, hey, this will really piss him off. Let's plant this out there. That he fell down the stairs and he soiled his pants. You know, like uh, an old codger, you know, with dementia and Alzheimer's, right? I'll bet you that's the one thing out of everything else. That pissed him off. I do not soil my pants. I'm Tsar Putin. Go ahead. Look. Look. Smell. Take the sniff test. Never. Never look at my feet. They smell like roses. Yeah, go ahead. You get down on your hands and knees and sniff, right? All over. He's going bing, 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 bing all over Russia. Raising champagne, you know, and toasting Russians. What are you going to do with the Ukraine? We got our mercenaries, our Hessians, the Wagner group. They'll take care. Wagner. Wait a second. Oh, slowly I turn step by step. The Wagner group, is that is that named after the uh, the great Wagner the right of the Valkyries. Wait, wait. You mean lover of fascism, lover of Adolf Hitler? He died when Hitler ascended into power. That Wagner? No, 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 please. Let's not exaggerate. Let's not go too far on this. Anyway, let's go to the phones uh, to Billy, who's calling from the East Village. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Yeah, hi. Um, so you were talking about Happy's a Clam. The answer is, did you ever open a clam and eat them for all? Okay, uh, ask that question. Uh, okay. Hold on a second. Let, let, let's tackle that first uh, brain buster. Did I ever have a clam, open it up, of course, and then eat mm-hmm. it raw, like a man, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. With some hot sauce, maybe? Uh, no, no, I'm a man's man. I don't need that uh, red hot sauce. I can handle a clam, you know? <laughs> well, okay, the question is, uh, or the answer is, did you ever see a brain in there? Little, no, little, li- yeah, little like corpuscle right on that, uh, the slime there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what basically is like the clam is too stupid to be unhappy. That's why he's happy as a clam. The clam is too stupid to be unhappy. Right, he doesn't have a brain, really. <laughs> I- I've known horses like that. You know, like I, I, I put a thousand dollars on you. What a stupid horse you are. <laughs> Well, anyhow. That's, hey, let's that's face it. Horse, I... hey, Billy, have you ever seen a horse? Not the brightest animals uh, on four legs. You know what I mean? Uh, they're not the dumbest either. Well, well who, who are the dumbest animals that you know, Billy? Be, be honest. Uh, let's see. They're called politicians. Yes. Um... Very good. Very good. Thank you. Okay. All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Two-legged. You're right. Um, um, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back. You mentioned Boris and Natasha. Who are Boris and Natasha modeled after? Hmm. What real-life people are they modeled after? Okay, so Rocky and Bullwinkle, Rocky J. Squirrel, Bullwinkle the mm-hmm. Moose, and then Boris and Natasha. Natasha were modeled after real-life people. Bogart and Lauren Bacall? No. It's not a bad guess. But, oh, uh, thank you, thank you. you. But they're actually a couple. It was called Louis Prima and Keeley Smith. Wow, Louis Prima. Louis Prima, I I remember, but I I don't know the female, no. Keely Smith, the great singer. Oh, God, they were on Ed Sullivan occasionally. um, Well, 
Bad. Okay. Let me, ask, let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah that's, were, that's it. You just re- were they part of the Red back. Scare? Were they were they spies for the the Ruskies, the yeah, Soviets? Yeah, yeah. Were really Louis Prima? Could he have been? You never know. Like the Rosenbergs, you know, stealing uh, uh, nuclear yeah, secrets, and then they juiced them. Up. You know, the electric chair and sing, sing. Remember? Ah, I didn't do it. Ah. You think the Rosenbergs did it? What do you think, Billy? Louis Badenov. His name is a pun on a real-life character. Hold on. You didn't answer my question, Billy. You're like a politician. You just want to say whatever you want to say. I asked you, do you think the Rosenbergs stole the nuclear secrets from Los Alamos and turned them over to Father Joe Stalin? Do you or do you not? No. No, I don't. So you mean we killed innocent people in the electric chair at Sing Sing? Yeah, we killed innocent people there. We we killed innocent people uh, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki too. Hmm. Killed innocent people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Let me tell you a story. So I'm graduating Guardian Angels in Hiroshima downtown. There's a cathedral in the background, the shell of it. I'm figuring these Japanese Guardian Angels are going to be pretty pissed at me, right? The American, right? You know, I, I represent the nuclear weapon. They like wiped them out. So before the graduation, we uh, go to the local museum, and they have the whole town laid out the way it was. You saw it before, you saw it after. Boy, when you looked at it after, I said, man, these these guys are going to, like, they're going to want to do judo on me right here, you know, like jiu-jitsu. Like, I know they're guardian angels, but this is good. They're going to have flashbacks. Hey, come on. No, you guys had to do this to us. What are you talking about? Oh, you know, the emperor, uh, whatever the emperor said then, we did. You mean what we did was good? We wouldn't have Japan the way it is now. What? Yeah, okay. That's one less headache I got today. Boy, was I surprised, surprised, surprised at that. My international director of operations for Guardian Angels, K.G. Oda, Introduced me to one of our board members. One of our board members actually had an insurance company in uh, Sendai up in the north. They have bears there. They have, they have horses. I said, impossible. They did. They have all kinds of warnings. You go north in uh, Japan, they got big one. Be careful, bears on the road. I didn't believe that. So one of our board of directors had been a kamikaze pilot. So I said, how could you be a kamikaze pilot? You know, then you crash, uh, you had sake, you know, and you say, uh, you know, whatever you said, and then boom, you crash into an American aircraft carrier, battleship, or cruiser. He said, Curtis, I didn't drink the sake. I threw it over my shoulder, and I took that plane, and I flew it to China. What do you think, I'm crazy? I'm going to crash into an American frigate cruiser battleship? Did you see what they did to General Tojo after the war? They hung him. I said, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I told him, sure, I'll be a kamikaze pilot. And when they took the sake, you know, they said the words, banzai, banzai, banzai. I said, banzai, banzai. I got into the plane, and I flew right towards mainland China, Shanghai check. They took me, they put me in prison, but I'm alive today. Look, I own one of the biggest insurance companies in Japan, and I'm on the board of directors of the Guardian Angels. I said... Holy, jump up and sit down. That makes sense. 
Why the hell would you be drinking sake going bonsai, bonsai, when you know the war's over? It's lost. But I'm going to crash into an American aircraft carrier just for the hell of it. <sighs> oh, these stories, they pour out, right? I, this guy, he got me so mad. He lower each side, that guy. What a, what a Weisenheimer. Oh, boy. Was this one guy? Not sure how people still vote for Dems. Like, he couldn't wait to call Monday through Friday when it's all politics all the time. Democrats suck. Republicans are, well, they're almost godlike. Mike, you're a person in all concert. You think I'm going to you. Keep him on in perpetuity, Ken. Now, uh, let's go to Dave calling all the way from the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, who decided that they didn't want Dr. Oz. You didn't want Dr. Oz, Dave. You wanted Fetterman, didn't you? That was not my decision. I don't know what they were thinking in Pennsylvania here. But before you give me your opinion, I want to tell you why I think Dr. Oz lost. There are very few who agree with me. At the early start of his campaign when he was in the Republican primary, they asked him a very simple question. Dr. Oz, we see you have two passports, American passport and Turkish passport, and your allegiance there is to Erdogan. Uh, are you going to give up your passport now that you're running for U.S. Senate? Not unless I win. That was it for a lot of, oh, this guy's a Muslim terrorist. Yeah, that's why he wants uh, to keep that pass. You know how some people are in Pennsylvania, Dave. Yeah, I can tell you another reason he didn't win. What was that? He was, he was too lazy. He went through the work. He, we have local radio stations here that wanted him on. And he would not go on. And you and I actually have a mutual friend, and I talked to him, and he gave Dr. Oz that message to get on these radio stations. And um, Dr. Oz said he's a friend of Dr. Oz's. And Dr. Oz says he'd get, a, he'd get his team on it, but he never came on the radio station. And the people here, I know they were calling in the radio station saying, if he doesn't want to hear our opinions now, why would he want to listen to us if he becomes senator? Because, let me tell you something, early on in this campaign, before he had even set foot into Pennsylvania from his home, New Jersey, he met at Smith and Walensky's, a famous state place, and he was meeting with some very prestigious Republicans. And as he was doing his pitch, he looked over to a man who one day will be honored for what he did for America, he did for New York City. I think you kind of know Rudy Giuliani, Mike Kumbadichi. And Rudy had ordered the steak, and Rudy was cutting it, and Rudy was putting a piece of steak in his mouth. And like Rudy's mother, he reached into Rudy's mouth, he pulled it out, and he goes, at your age, you shouldn't be having steak. Wow. What does that tell you about Dr. Hodge, right? Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. Now, you imagine Rudy, it's like, huh? And you want my support, huh? You take Mm -hmm. the steak out of my mouth? (laughs) What are you, my mother? <laughs> and he had no problems with that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saving your life. I'm saving your life. Really? Wow. Was he full of himself? Pretentious. Oh omnipotent. And Fetterman. <laughs> oh, in the hoodie. I mean, come on, Dave. I, I wish he did the debate in the hoodie, right? He should have gone the whole nine yards. Look, 50 uh-huh. Cent, right? 50 Cent is AARP now with a hoodie. That's the mm-hmm. new demographic. AARP guys all wore hoodies like M&M, yeah. Slim Shady, right? Am I right or wrong, Dave? 
You're right. It's like a bad Saturday night. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, I, I interfered with you. I rambled. I rambled. No, that's rambling with gambling. I Don't ever compare me to gambling, please. A uh, guy never took an opinion in his life. But go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to tell you, you were talking about um, Tony Orlando and his brother playing some great songs, and they were last night. Oh, God. Yacht, yacht rack, uh, rock, they call it. Yacht yeah. rock. Great stuff. Yeah. Yep. But you, too. I mean, I... Like when you come back from commercials, whatever, sometimes you play some music. Well, you do play music, but I remember a couple of weeks ago, you played something that I haven't heard in close to 50 years, and I completely forgot about this song. And as soon as you played it, man, did it take me back, and, and all the memories came rushing. Remember the floaters float on? Oh, yeah, float on. Yeah. That's when. What a great song. That's when we were hanging out at the, the club or the bar, and you would approach a female, and you'd say, "What sign are you?" <laughs> exactly. and naturally, you'd always lie. You would always. I couldn't say I was Aries because Aries is a fire sign, and the women they had studied astrology, and they realized you don't want to hook up. With an Aries, that's a ram. You know, he goes he goes through the wall, not over it, not around it, not under it. So when right. the floaters would sing that song and the ladies, they were totally into, you know, Libra, Taurus, Aries. Oh, God, it was such a great song. You're right, Dave. How about it? Did, you, about have, it? did you have the bell-bottom pants on at the time? Did you have the... Uh, did you have the polyester waffle weed flame retardant shirt? We all had it. We yeah. all had it. <laughs> float on, float on. Float on. Man, I'm telling you. Look, 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 you're trying, Matt Blaze. You really, you think you got the right song. You got to do do us justice here. Oh, here it is. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And I like a woman that loves everything and everybody. And you know what, ladies? If you feel that this is you, then this is what I want you to do. And notice the guys, they're on the stage, they're making all the moves, you know. They're reaching to their heart, they're pointing out, oh, Dave, one of the greatest songs of all time. Thank you for reconnecting us, Dave. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Oh, God. The float has flowed on. I need to start it at where he's doing the the signs, you know, the astrological signs. Because, you know... Uh, first thing I do, I get my New York Post hard copy. You know, I'm a believer in the horoscope. That's the main reason that so many people get the New York Post. They really, the horoscope always works. I read it, it said, you better not try to do anything today because it's not going to be a good day for you. So I just, I become happy like a clam. <laughs> I just stay in one place. I follow my astrological chart, my horoscope in the New York Post. Not the other papers, the New York Post. But listen, listen to the start of the floaters. Cancer, 
And my name is Larry. And I like a woman that loves everything and everybody. That should have been Herschel Walker's theme song in his campaign against Reverend Warlock, right? Then this is what I want you to do. Right? It sounds like Herschel. Man, if Herschel had the surviving members float on, that that one percentage differential, he'd have been over the top. Because then when you said, man, this guy was a ladies' man, he was chasing skirts and trim, it was, of course... Because he was floating on, right? What's your sign? All he had to do, Herschel, on that. Ladies, what's your sign? And those who have like 55 plus who vote would have said, yeah. Yeah, Herschel, he knows. 1980 Heisman Trophy winner. 82, he brought the Bulldogs an NCAA World Championship. NCAA Championship. But he knows the floaters. Oh, that should have been his theme song. I'm telling you, he would have gotten more of the black vote. You see, he got the white vote, and Reverend Warlock got the black vote. But in the black community, it's women 55-plus who vote, who would have remembered that jam, who would have remembered Herschel, and would have said, Herschel knows. Herschel knows. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. You were young and your heart. Nah, I don't want to hear this. Uh, please, this should be for somebody else. Kill it, kill it. I want to live and die in L.A., man. I want to live and die in L.A. because we're going to be talking about Elon Musk. I'm going to be talking about how it use use that crap, right? I am predicting that Elon Musk will eventually become the Howard Hughes of our generation. Well, your generation, not mine. Yeah. Wang Chung. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Got to set this up. I need to move. What a great song. is setting it up for Elon Musk. Your newfound hero, right? Uh-oh. You love Elon Musk. He saved Twitter. Even though the only people who use Twitter are twits who think that we live and die over what's on Twitter. Not. Doesn't affect most people's lives. Just a few out there who are addicted to Twitter. So he rescued Twitter from what? The hippie Jack Dorsey who then got flipped out, remember? And then he was on the beaches of Oahu smoking Maui Waui. Did that guy look zoned out, right, Jack Dorsey, with the earring in his ear? Like, uh, Mr. Dorsey, no, uh, I didn't ask you a question. No, 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 no. Gonna get you, Dorsey, if it's the last thing we do. And let me tell you, Elon Musk, all of a sudden, he came from South Africa, and he developed this concept of an electric car. And he got all these subsidies, all these federal and state subsidies. And remember, 
There was Andrew Evilized Como King Cuomo the second, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Como King Cuomo the first. The billion-dollar Buffalo scam, remember? And who was developing the solar panels there? Never developed one solar panel in Buffalo. Elon Musk, but he got all the money. I want to know where did that money go. None of you care now because he's your hero. He rescued free speech. He says, I support the Republicans. I want DeSantis, de-sanctimonious, to become the next president of the United States. I'm ready to testify before the House when they finally take over after January 1st. And I'm going to tell you how evil the Democrats are. Evil. Right down to the marrow of their bone. And every day he drops different files. Twitter almost it reminds me of Julius Assange. Remember? Every day Hillary and her staff were cringing. Every day in 2016, running against Trump, every day Julian Assange would drop another file. And the whole world would say, life will never go on. We must read the file. Why? Why? You really think that determined the outcome of the election? That, in fact, if Twitter had been honest with Americans, most people don't have Twitter. Most people are not twits. Who tweet their freaking life away, huh? You got better time to use. And that is to join me in this war against Elon Musk. And you say, what? Have you become a traitor, a Democrat, a progressive, a member of the DSA? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? No. No, it's because Tesla has eliminated AM radios. From his electric Tesla vehicles. And I know what this is about, ladies and gentlemen. He wants to brainwash us that Tesla, the Serbian, invented this thing that we so love radio. And I stand with Marconi. I stand with Marconi. He invented this thing that we love. So in retaliation, what is the South African doing, the Africana? He's removed AM radios from all Teslas coming off the assembly line. And naturally, who has followed? Ford, Chrysler, General Motors. Every electric car coming off the assembly line will no longer have an AM radio. Why? Because they say that electric vehicles generate more electromagnetic interference than gas-powered cars, which can disrupt the reception of AM signals and cause static noise and a high-frequency hum. Hum. And they say FM signals are more resistant to such interference. They want to destroy this thing of ours. Elon Musk has sided with the freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating, madly cruel, free marijuana, the Frank Moranos, and the Frank McKays of the world. I stand up against Elon Musk. I stand for AM radio, this thing of ours. We are broadcasting on the number one news station in the nation, and I will go even beyond that. The world, we are global. When you listen to my form of The Other Side of Midnight, you have heard calls come in from Argentina, from Australia, from South Africa. We're global now. You will not destroy this thing of ours, Elon Musk. If you try, go back to the country that birthed you. 
because AM radio is synonymous with everything that is American. AM, the acronym for America. Don't forget that. We got to battle this guy and everybody else who wants to take that AM radio away. They've tried this now five times in my life. I'm 68, soon to be 69. And they've said AM is dead. How many times have they said AM radio is dead? Yeah? Over my freaking dead body, Elon Musk, Ford, Chrysler, GM, and oh yeah, Toyota and Hyundai. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Uh, this is the most requested, most called into of the many shows that I do, especially on the weekends when WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. And we welcome aboard once again... Animal Rescuer par excellence, my wife, Nancy. Thanks for jumping on board the ark, uh, Nancy. Oh, thank you for having me on board again. All right. First, we have to deal with a matter that you may know the answer to because I must be perfectly honest. You've seen Canarsie Pier. I took you there uh, uh, after I had married you when I brought you to Canarsie where I grew up, and you saw there were no clams. There were no oysters. There was nothing in the Jamaica Bay. But you grew up uh, in Bohemia in Suffolk, not far from the Long Island Sound, not far from Oyster Bay. And for now, 48 straight hours, I've been asking people, where did this term come up for for, uh, you're happy as a clam? I I know when we went to that Oyster Bay Festival there, and remember how angry I was that I couldn't just get regular oysters. They were all fried, fried oysters, fried oysters. I don't want fried. I want regular oysters. Yeah, I do recall that. They had clams there, too. I don't ever remember looking at clams and ever seeing them be happy. Where did this come from, Nancy? Yeah, so I think uh, the previous, uh, one of the previous callers actually had it fairly correctly, which is that it was uh, a longer phrase previously, and it did say that um, they were happy at high tide, and it was because... I guess supposedly at high tide, they would be, uh, you know, sort of safe from human consumption. So it's like, I guess it's beyond happiness. It's like more of safety and security, like I'm not going to be attacked. So I guess uh, the happiness is synonymous with security. Now, speaking uh, of shellfish, so to speak, clams, lobsters, oysters, we call it trafe. Some would call it trafe. There's the story of the world's oldest animal happens to be a turtle, if I'm correct. A <laughs> hundred and ninety years old? <laughs> yeah, a hundred and ninety years old. So it's a tortoise. And 
the tortoise lives in the, uh, the island Saint. Uh, I don't know if they pronounce it uh, Helena, Saint Helena, and so apparently the the turtle had just turned 190, which is fairly long because their life expectancy is only 150. So they're going over like the daily life of uh, this turtle, which is named Jonathan, and. It looks like it has this incredible setup, right? So keep in mind, like, this island where the turtle lives, it's uh, all year round. It's, like, between 70 and 80 degrees. It's like a volcanic tropical island. Um, it's one of the most remote islands in the world. So there's only a few thousand people there. And this turtle is, uh, this tortoise is blind. It can't smell, but apparently it still has an active sex life. Now, wait a second. Hold, hold on a second. It's 190 years old. This is a, a tortoise, a turtle. Yes. It cannot smell. So that would mean, remember, from our days of coronavirus, remember the March of 2020, you knew you might have coronavirus if you couldn't smell anything, right? Yes. All right, so it might have coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. It can't see. It's blind. Yes. But it continues to fornicate and copulate? Yeah, it apparently has a like a few partners. So it, uh, the 190 year old tortoise is very popular. Wow, that's incredible! And you're saying the average life of a turtle in those circumstances, obviously, it's a very rural, rustic setting. It's not near population center. Well, you know what, and, and that's the thing, right? So the average lifespan is 150, which obviously is you know long by our standards. But I think what would account for the like the additional longevity of it, it would have to be, um, you know, based on its environment, right? Because stress is the number one trigger for pretty much every living creature, and stress comes from a lot of different things. But you know, environmental factors and stress. So this turtle uh, living in this remote island, uh, not inhabited by a lot of people, uh, not a lot of uh, pressures for you know, immediate needs. So I think the stress-free lifestyle, the smaller population, the more land is really the key to longevity here. Wow. And I can remember a lot of people getting little turtles, you know, transporting them from, like, they'd be away, uh, and then they bring a little turtle back in a box. And then naturally they said, well, what are we going to do with a turtle, a turtle? And then they would release it into a nearby pond and all of a sudden, you'd have a whole colony of turtles where before you had none. Yeah, I, I had, unfortunately, um, someone had gifted me two little turtles like many years ago. And, you know, when you get them, they sell them on the, the side of the sidewalks in New York City in a lot of different areas. And they look really cute. I mean, they're literally like the size of a quarter. And people buy them. And they're in these little containers. You bring them home. But the amount of work that goes into them and the size that they grow into, right, because um, like the popular ones that they sell on the streets, they call them like red ear sliders, they can't have the filtered water, the chlorinated water. So you have to constantly have fresh water, so you have to constantly change it. So their tanks get big where eventually it's like, I mean, it's like gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water to hold them. And this is why people start releasing them. They they don't have this, like the containers, the space to hold them, like the aquariums to hold them because they get so big. And in Central Park, 
there's this one area where people put turtles so much they've like dubbed it uh, uh, like a turtle pond because people actually dump turtles there all the time. Yeah, I know that's right near the Great Lawn where the softball uh, fields yeah, are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have marshland there, and you're right. I would actually see turtles putting their heads up. And I said, where the hell did all these turtles come from? Yeah. Wow, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Before we get to all the pet stories, we got to deal with uh, Eric Adams. He received a ticket for failure to do rat mitigation on his property at Lafayette Avenue in bed He owns a five-story building there. And um, now you're a lawyer. Uh, You've gone to Brooklyn Law School, right? You're an e-attorney. Yes. Uh, to bat, he wouldn't just pay the ticket. It was like six hundred dollars. Most people they just pay the tickets and they do whatever they can to try to avoid the rats. He fought this. He went to court with a corporation counsel attorney. Yeah, yeah. Not his own private attorney. And all of a sudden they dismissed the ticket. But he hasn't done anything to mitigate the rats. So from a, a legal stand uh, standpoint. Did it make sense that he used a city lawyer instead of a private lawyer? And what would you suggest to him since he, along with other New Yorkers, has uh, a serious rat problem? Okay, well, he clearly does have a serious rat problem because you're not going to, um, you know, likely get the one ticket unless there's been a multitude of instances where this has been cited. Because this is um, like a continual problem um, that the... Uh, like Department of Buildings has, and then here, I guess, like the Department of Health in conjunction, where when they try to cite people, they'll have visits and they cancel visits if people aren't home. So this probably means that this has been going on for a very long time, um, number one. Um, and, you know, whatever would be required. So, for instance, if it's, you know, um, th- that, it, that it would be, oh, showing that, you know, I hired someone to do it. Now, he's in the in the great um, situation where, he should really be setting the standard and incorporating, uh, you know, a cat colony in the, you know, in the premise of where he has because that would be a perfect thing that he can have, um, like, the cat houses in the front if he has the yard, and then they would maintain the entire premise and keep it free of, you know, any of the rodents so he wouldn't be cited going forward. And because he owns the property, he's in possession of, you know, the premise. So, you know, he's within his rights to actually put the housing down to maintain the colony. So this is like a very safe, secure thing that he can do to maintain that. That would be um, ideal to do. And, of course, he shouldn't have used the the corporation council. I mean, he could have just hired some friend he knows for a hundred bucks to show up. Like, I mean, I don't know why you'd be using uh, city attorneys for personal business. That is a brilliant idea. In fact, I'll be on with Sid Rosenberg in the morning at seven Oh five. He communicates with the mayor on a regular basis. They text back and forth. They're like newfound lovers. So since the mayor won't listen to me, I'll suggest that, uh, Sid be the intermediary on this and will actually come over and form a cat colony form as a, uh, what can we call it, an olive branch, so to speak. So we help him with his rat problem, so maybe he'll learn the benefits of feral cats since he claims he hates rats. I mean, and, and again, it's, you know, I mean, if, if you just give him the benefit of the doubt, I mean, you really don't know it until you see it uh, personally. So to be able to have it up close and personal and to see how it is, you know, would give you the idea of, oh, this is how it is um, 
is existing for people now. Here's how it's existing in, you know, multiple uh, residence properties. Here's why people have them at stores. Here's why there's such a fixture in so many areas because of what they do. Like, basically, this service that they provide us in conjunction to us being able to care for their lives and also providing a lot of joy. I mean, you know, if you have the choice between coming home and seeing these cats that you care for versus seeing the rats running around, I mean, that's an easy one. So why would you not at least try it to see what it is, to see what your opinion is? You can't really form an opinion until you try it. This will be a test for Sid. Sid is always saying, oh, I want to I wanna bring you guys together. I don't want there to be this bitterness, this rancor. This will be it over rats. Now, the mayor says he hates rats, that when he sees a rat, he's frightened of a rat, and that it he's obsessed with it all day long, whatever he's doing. We and when he was asked during the debates what was the thing that he uh, res- respected most about you, it was that, the, the love of cats and your assistance of them. So I think there is a, a bridge that can be formed right here. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, now the pressure is going to be on Sid. Since he wants to be the big kingmaker, the uh, facilitator, we'll uh, have that conversation with him at 7.05 uh, Monday in just a few hours. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now... NYCHA, Red Hook Housing Projects. I've taken you there before, I believe, when I showed you, Nancy, that uh, the street Clinton uh, interconnects with the street Bush. They're not named after the Bush family or the Clinton family. It just so happens it's way out there in Red Hook. And apparently in the Red Hook Projects, they have not only rats, but raccoons and possums. Yeah, so... This is a problem that's been going on um, since they began this, um, you know, overhaul of the area in response to, uh, you know, uh, the hurricane. So they started this in 2017, and immediately as soon as they started, you know, obviously there's some degree of breaking the ground. This is when uh, raccoons, uh, possums, rats, roaches, skunks, I mean, things that had never before been even really seen in the area, and let alone like you know infestations of it. So this uh, NYCHA complex in Red Hook it has a total of 32 buildings, and immediately um, you know the residents who've been there for you know 10 years plus were noticing what was what was happening. So now this is a project that you know uh, like most uh, things is supposed to be completed uh, the middle of last year. So at this point now, they're projecting it not to be done until 2027. And, you know, they're, they're noticing that this problem is just continuing. So the NYCHA complex itself has its own, um, you know, like uh, pest remediation, which it conducts within the buildings. And the contractors that have been hired out to do this work, they have their own uh, pest control companies that they utilize. But... Clearly, it's not doing anything sufficiently. So, again, this would be another example of having the cat colonies where this is a a perfect time for them to do this because um, I've been, you know, uh, in in conjunction with other people as well where they were fighting to sort of keep their colonies intact. When development happens, the rush is usually to get the cat colonies out of there. Oh, we have to, um, you know, remove them because we're breaking the ground. Now, the thing is, you can just keep them, you know, you can move the little places they sleep to the side and keep them in the area. This entire area is fenced in. So they can have a contained colony of cats because what's happening is um, 
all of these creatures are coming from the ground because the ground has been broken. So as long as they have there's this underground, um, you know, tunnel network, which all the animals are living under, and because there's, uh, you know, tons of holes that are around this complex, everything is getting up. So there's no way to keep anything down. They're not keeping it down. But by having the cats there, you can keep them underground so they wouldn't be coming up all the time. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I hearken you back, Nancy, to when we were taking care of that uh, cat colony in Greenpoint near the um, uh, Brooklyn Union, the old Brooklyn Union gas uh, company area that's now sort of empty. It's a browning field. And we would go down Metropolitan Area, uh, Avenue west towards uh, Williamsburg, and there was this huge club towards the right. We stopped at twice, uh, Hipster Millennial Club. And in on the grounds, we saw possums, raccoons, uh, and cats together. Remember, yeah. all of them, like they were a family, raccoons, possums, and cats. And I asked you, how can this be? They weren't adversarial towards one another. Yeah, I mean, again, if, if they're, I mean, everything always comes down to food sources, right? So even with the idea of rats, um, you know, if you view rats as scavengers, oh, they'll just go anywhere where there's food. Well, no, they'll just go to where there is food, and then they stay. So if there's a consistent food source or things aren't been, or, or the food isn't being, you know, the garbage isn't being closed properly, this is a signal that the, the um, remediation of the garbage disposal isn't appropriate because if there's no food source, they will move on. So having the rats there means, okay, there's a constant um, way for them to get the, the food. And, again, here, I mean, you have the open ground. I mean, everything is coming out. And as you know, I mean, you know, with the, I mean, going past all of these different uh, NYCHA complexes, I mean, they, there's, it seems like there's no regulations whatsoever when they put out the garbages. They're open. They're out for days at a time. I mean, it's, I mean, there's no wonder that there's rats that are, you know, drawn to the area. Uh, let me ask you a question about this. Not far from where we live on the Upper West Side, apparently there was a dog that was living in a nearby apartment that somehow got away from uh, the people who were caring for it, jumped in to the Hudson River and swam from the Upper West Side over to the Jersey Side and survived. This is, like, unbelievable. Yeah, this is, uh, this dog was being walked at Riverside Park, and, you know, apparently the, the family only had the dog for a few days. Now, it's kind of, it's it's hard to tell. Um, I think maybe the dog, just in general, you know, it's, it's I don't know if it has, like, a, a predisposition to just be spooked, but they've only had the dog a few days. Apparently, they said the leap, uh, the collar was a little too big. The dog ran away. It ran, like, 30 blocks. And then it jumped into the Hudson River, and, you know, then they lost sight of it. And then two, three days later, it was found on the other side underneath a bridge around midnight. So when they microchipped the dog to see where it came from, now this dog, now it's only six months old, right? It was described as a, like a service-type dog, but I think maybe it's like more, uh, you know, in contemplation of being a service dog because it's just a little too young to be a service dog. But it came from a breeder in uh, Montana, and then it was uh, transferred a, a few days ago to this, you know, family in New York City. So again, it could just be that maybe maybe it had a bad situation in the breeding situation, and it's just, 
you know, it's like trauma that I've experienced previously. Wow. I mean, that's like uh, a a miracle. It would be tough for a human being to make that kind of swim. There's an undertow, there's currents, and yet it made it from the Manhattan side, Riverside Park side, over to the New Jersey side. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We've been talking a lot about what can be done to mitigate rats. Obviously, we're proponents uh, of feral cats. Would you relate to us what's happened in the Washington Heights Community Garden that's uh, uptown Manhattan, north of Riverside Park, uh, where Inwood is? Oh, yeah. So uh, now, you know, there's, there's uh, I think, over 100, believe it or not, uh, community gardens throughout New York City that have a cat colony population that's cared for. And, you know, so it's it's recognizing, number one, that the cats are there in the community, but really just, you know, coming together and <laughs> fixing the cats. So this way, this is their steady area. They're not going to create more kittens. So, you know, becoming aware of the process of uh, how to create colony cats. So they've had these cats there for over a decade. And, you know, it's, it's great. You go to the, the website and you can see, you know, all the the current cats they have, and then plus cats that have been adopted out because that's another thing that happens, right? Like some of the cats who wind up outside, they're just cats who uh, previously had lived in homes and, you know, either got lost or people, you know, let them out. They didn't want them anymore, so they're really domestic cats. So, you know, it it gives an opportunity for for people to do that. But, you know, this is an example of um, this, you know, already going on within New York City, uh, you know, under this umbrella, you know, people are doing it. Uh, you know, it is successful. It's keeping the population uh, of the cats down there. Obviously, it's keeping the rodents at bay, uh, the rats at bay. Uh, you know, there are there are places throughout New York City that do implement this. Um, Jacob Javits Center is is one example. So, I mean, it's unfortunately it's a little slow in uh, being implemented. Uh, the city really should just take a, a lot more proactive you know approach with this because. It's just right there. It's the the answer to the the problem they're trying to solve, and you know, again, it's it's already being done. So again, it's the path of least resistance. You already have the community of volunteers out there. I mean, there's really just no there's no excuse for not doing it. Honestly. Question um, in uh, regards uh, to that very uh, uh, sort of um, um, uh, statement you were making. I heard uh, the cat in the background meowing. <laughs> Uh, was that mittens? No, no, that was Peanut. So Peanut was meowing, one of the 18 rescue cats we have. Uh, what was uh, Peanut meowing about? Um, uh, agreeing with the fact that there should be more feral cat uh, colonies out there. Wow. Now, which are the cats that we have that meow the most? Uh, well, I would say, yeah, definitely uh, Peanut and Mittens meows. Mitten meows pretty much if you just uh, speak with her. And Athena meows a bit. Now, what what, is, what, what does that mean when they're meowing? Because a lot of the cats, they just, I never hear them meow. What, what, what creates that difference in cats, those that meow and those that don't? Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I guess it's like the same way that it learned behavior for them, I guess, you know, it's like learned behavior for us. Uh, when they meow, you know, I know that they want something. I kind of you know the 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 certain cats who do meow, 
I know already what they want. I know why they're meowing at me. So I guess they're training me <laughs> what they're looking for. <laughs> and so they basically are signaling you, I want treats, I want food, I want toys, I want yeah, you to exactly, play with me. Exactly, correct. Exactly. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Now, speaking uh, of the President of the United States, he's not a cat man. He's a dog man. He's a German Shepherd guy, but... He's expected to sign a bill to ban private tiger ownership. Can you sort of explain that? Because there are people out there who have big cats that are not domestic cats. You know, they're cats from the wild. Yeah, so, you know, this is uh, another one of those things that just, I mean, it sounds great and it looks good, um, probably, I guess, PR-wise, but, you know, it doesn't really accomplish much. So it's a big cat public safety act is the name of the law. And what it's trying to prohibit going forward is people having pet lions. So that's number one, because apparently there is, uh, there's no federal regulation specifically um, banning ownership of large cats, so right, like tigers, lions, jaguars, things like that. And so each state makes its own regulations regarding that. And there's 30 states apparently that do allow um, people to own large exotic cats, you know, with, you know, fairly minimal, uh, I guess, oversight or, you know, like, and it's just uh, maybe buying a license for $30. So, you know, it started off as, you know, seemingly trying to uh, protect and, you know, be aware of like the lifestyle that these exotic cats are living because they're being owned by people who, you know, aren't really keeping them in, uh, you know, situations that are ideal for them or don't have the training to take care of them. So, you know, it, it sort of it started in like an animal rights sort of thing and then somehow really morphed into a public safety thing because it, you know, it's it's really just aimed at saying, oh, the few people who do own them as pets. Um, you know, unfortunately, they've attacked people a couple times, and we want to prevent that. So it's only like certified zoos, right? So I guess they'll be in charge of determining who's a certified zoo. And, of course, universities, like they can continue to have the big cats because, you know, like testing on them, that's not a big deal. Like we're not concerned about that uh, with this act apparently. But the funny thing is there's more tigers that are in captivity in the United States than there are in the wild. So there's 5,000 roughly in captivity and 3,500 in the wild. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Well, I remember uh, in the 1960s, and it was a legend, the Gallo brothers, uh, Joey Gallo and his uh, crew, they operated out of a tenement uh, right in Carroll Gardens, which is very trendy now but wasn't then. And in the basement, they kept a lion, a big huge lion. And so when you owed money, like one of my uncles did, because he was a degenerate gambler, they would take you down to where the lion was, and you had better hope they had fed the lion early. And they would basically say, you either pay up now, or we're going to put you in the cage with the lion, and the lion's going to have you for dinner. And then the lion would, you know, growl and go start, you know, rampaging in the, in the cage and guys would find money where they claim they didn't have money. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and and part of the uh, the justification for this law being so important 
Yeah, they were citing someone who was a personal zoo owner who, you know, wound up uh, committing suicide, but prior to that released the entire zoo that he owned, like, you know, over 50 animals into the wild. But then the cops just rounded them up and, and just shot them all. <laughs> so, so let's be clear, none of this has to do with any of the safety of animals. It's just the concern that people who have no business, you know, doing anything, probably even taking care of themselves, you know, should not even, you know, be having these animals. But unfortunately, it's not really doing anything to protect the, the tigers otherwise, and they will continue to reside in universities where they get tested on. Got to tell you, my uncle paid that vig real quick. <laughs> I'm sure he did. When he was confronted with that lion, who, uh, lucky for him, had been fed that morning. But anyway, finally, before we go to the calls at 1-800-848-WABC, you had predicted this, uh, the uh, bear hunt which Governor Murphy finally had uh, resumed after years of putting it on the shelf. They went to court, animal rights activists, to block it. The judge ruled against them. The bear hunt is on. And what do you see transpiring now? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, of course, right, the bear hunt uh, started, instead of Monday, it started Tuesday. And it's gone on. Now, what they had initially said was, oh, if we don't have, if if enough bears don't get killed during this first leg of the hunt, we're going to permit it to continue for an additional week. Now, as far as I can see on the website, it doesn't state that, um, although uh, that seems to be what's going on. So, I mean, we'll have to follow up on that. But what's, what's really sad about that is, I mean, now it's getting really even closer to them going into hibernation. So this idea of extending it because they didn't meet these numbers of these kills that they were trying to do, and obviously this is still being challenged because of the expediency and the people who are on the board and everything like that. But, you know, now they're getting into hibernation time. So it's disturbing that they're letting this go on for another week potentially. All right. Uh, to the phones we go. one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848 wabc If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the phones we go, Nancy. To Billy in Queens, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Billy. Hey, Curtis, speaking of big cats, remember that guy in the projects like eight, uh, 20 years ago? He had that 800-pound tiger in his apartment in the projects up in Harlem. Oh, I remember that. I think that was the Drew Hamilton Projects. Uh, we had been yeah. uh, informed of that, and I remember I got a phone call. They said this guy was raising this tiger in the projects in a park. I said, man, you must be drinking or smoking herb. There's no way you could be raising a tiger. And, and it, you were right. It turned out to be correct. He was yeah. for three years. He was raising a tiger. Yeah. And, and people knew it. knew it and didn't yeah. say anything. And that's, a, that's just a perfect example why a guy like you was never going to get elected mayor. 
His black neighbors couldn't care less that they had an 800-pound tiger in their neighbor's apartment. <laughs> if one of my white neighbors had an 800-pound tiger, I would make sure that guy goes straight to freaking jail. I got up in the hood. I got to tell you, Billy uh, and Nancy, um, the reason I know this isn't because of what I didn't believe when I got the call. It's hard to have believed this guy was raising a tiger in the public housing projects in Harlem without anybody complaining. But the tiger ended up being buried in Hartsdale. I had to do a report on the animal cemetery in Hartsdale, and I went there for the very first time, Nancy. I don't think you've ever been there. It no, is, I have not been there. I've got to take you there. It okay. is <laughs> It is absolutely incredible. It's much smaller than a regular cemetery for humans. But it, all these... Some mausoleums, some crypts, some normal, you know, like uh, burial grounds with a little, uh, uh, a little granite there with the name of the pet, dogs, cats, tigers, lions. It's an incredible cemetery right there in Hartsdale. Oh, wow. I went inside. I talked to the people there. They had this whole roster of animals through the years that their families had had buried there. And they come and they visit them. You know what? I think that's even a regulation in, in New York City, right? Like where you, even if you have a small um, plot of property within New York City, I don't think you can bury your pet in the yard. Oh, I got to take it hard, so Up there in Westchester, when I saw this, I said, wow, it's a yeah. pet cemetery. And when I was there and I walked in the, to the, the house that's on the grounds, and they're very meticulous. They have people working there because they have a lot of visitors. And there were two people visiting their pets with flowers as as if oh, well, they're, they're family cute. members. Of course, yeah. That's absolutely incredible. I, I, I've got to take you up there, really. I've got to take you up there. Anyway, let's go to Ed in St. James. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. Hey, Curtis. Hey, Nancy. First of all, I want to talk to you about uh, Happy as a Clam. And I had to, uh, I had to, uh, I almost got shelled. Your, your, your call screener said, well, we're, we're talking about animals. I had to tell him, well, this clam is a bivalve. It's technically an animal. But the um, Happy as a Clam was shortened. It was first used by um, Confederate General Robert E. Lee in 1833, who said, him at high tide, which meant that he. And, uh, I wanted to talk to you. Now, now, hold on, hold on. Ed. First off, two two yeah. parts to uh, your statement about happy as a clam. Number one, remember the phone screener here is the Stunad Ken. You really think uh, you know? He's like he doesn't even know what an amoeba is. Uh, please, uh, this uh, this is difficult for him to begin with. Number two, you mean to tell me Robert E. Lee? He's handing over his sword to General Grant at Appomattox to end the Civil War. Was happy as a clam? He was. He was mentioning that that at that point, sir. But um, I want to tell you about these um, these dogs. They're called rat ratters, and they they could be used instead of feral cats. Hmm. You know, because you could feed them regular food or whatever. And they, I think that they would obey. And that, you know, most cats and my 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 love, beloved orange cat died in my arms. And he'd look at me. He was a tough guy. He used to beat the hell out of all these cats in the neighborhood. He wouldn't do anything I said. Um, also, last thing I want to say, Curtis, because I, I, I'm very uh, quick-winded. 
they this uh, park, and I won't name it, in Pennsylvania, which is uh, animal-themed, they won't allow wild animals there. It's a water park because of uh, protection for the kids, and also it's the state law that they won't allow, you know, at these parks. But that's it. I'll take your answer oh, off here. Oh, let, me, let me tell you something. And you never had this experience, Nancy. There was a place called Action Park in Sussex County, New Jersey. You know, they had ski lifts there. The other side is Florida, New York. Action Park, boy, did you get action. It was like a lawyer's delight. (laughs) People would end up with fractured arms, legs. People died there from the rides. They had animals there. I mean, anything went. It was like... You want action? Come to Action Park. The more people died, the more people got injured, the more people would come. And they had everything there at Action Park. And then the family ended up, uh, I guess, uh, moving, dying off, and no more Action Park. There's never been a place like that before, Nancy. You would have loved this place. I mean, action every square inch. I'm not into rides. I don't like rides. No, I mean, just walking the grounds. You know, lions, bears, tigers, oh my. Lions, bears, tigers, oh my. We got the subway. We're good. Oh, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Oh, I just remember Action Park. My cousins would say, we got to go to Action Park. I said, where's Action Park? Oh, it's like in western uh, New Jersey. Did it close down because of a lawsuit? Oh, man. They didn't care. They were like almost bulletproof after a while. The lawyers were lined up for blocks, and people just kept coming. It didn't matter. They had ambulances lined up outside. The ambulances were queued up outside of Action Park, New Jersey, the other side was Florida, New York. You saw the black dirt, you know, the Polish farmers growing the sweet onions. I'm telling you, this was the greatest theme park of did, all time. Did they sell T-shirts, I survived Action Park? They probably did. <laughs> and if they didn't, they should have. It wasn't meant to make money. It was meant to test your ability to uh, to withstand pain compliance. Because you were going to end up having pain in Action Park, New Jersey. Or, or life-threatening idiocy. That's right. I don't know. Well, I, one day I'm going to have to do just an hour on Action Park. There are so many people out there who had experiences who today, as a result of Action Park, they still, on a cold day, they wake up, their joints are all locked, you know, they need to take Bengay baths, and they say Action Park, yeah, when I was 18 years old. Anyway, let's go to Charlotte calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Charlotte. Hello. um, I'm from Astoria Cat Rescue, and we have uh, been working for three years at the Queens Bridge uh, Projects. And we um, TNR uh, a lot of cats that live in the basements of the projects. But we're having a a difficult time because of NYCHA, who is now um, putting cement in the holes of the basements where Uh. the cats live. And uh, we managed to, because we have people on the uh, the lookout, we managed to pound out the wet cement uh, within 24 hours Uh. so that the cats can come out. We, We have, by the way, taken so many cats out of there 
um, gotten them adopted. Uh, we're, we're constantly doing TNR. There are a lot of cats. There's about four buildings with holes in the, the basement that they, they go through. How many and cats do you, would you say are, are, are still there at this point, like um, remaining? Uh, there's probably about 25 to 27, okay. right? Okay. Um, but just recently, uh, there there was a more than a hole. It was a window size, two foot by two foot, uh, on the ground of a building that we did not feed at. But the cat still, because it was shelter, would go in there. And yeah. now two of our cats were missing, and we hadn't noticed that they had cemented this wow. window. Wow. And so we have been going, renting drills, and, and wow. the, the, we found that they put four to six inches of cement in that window, and then they put a grate behind it. We've finally got, um, like, two-fist-size hole drilled through every night by, by, you know, you have to bring a drill that doesn't need uh, anything but a battery pack. So you yeah, have to yeah. Keep the battery pack. And, and, but then when we finally got through, there was a grill, and we hear the cat meowing, so I've mm-hmm. called NYCHA. I had the contact. I called two or three people at NYCHA, and they said, oh, we got the cat out. And I said, what would you do? Say, here, kitty, kitty, and it jumped in your lap. They give me a break. They didn't get any cat out. And, uh, and the cat's still there, nine oh, days without my. food and water. We're managing to throw some, some dry food through mm-hmm. the grill, but it's it's very difficult. And then the, the police came after us last night. What the police came after you. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you and you explain the situation to the police of what was going on, and they did no assistance. They didn't offer. No, no, it was my volunteers. We're we're a five hundred one c rescue, and I have about eight volunteers. It was my it was my volunteers who were drilling, and they got scared because. Uh, yeah, I know, but they, I mean, they're also tasked with uh, you know animal protection, and you know, um, I would say sealing up yeah. a cat. You know, in cement, with cement, it would count as well. Well, I'll tell you what we can do, Charlotte. Uh, I used to have a junior guardian angel headquarters in Queensbridge. It's the largest public housing complex in the United States. It's in two sections, right in the shadow of the 59th Street Bridge. Uh, I've seen cats there before. Uh, how about if we uh, visit you out there, we see what your situation is. I have some... Uh, Good friends there from years before, some who actually guardian angels still living there. They're no longer guardian angels. You know, they have their own families. They're working. And let's see what we can do in conjunction with you because that's a horror. They need cats in those projects, in those basements, because that is a rat mitigator. It's it's Mother Nature's way of mitigating mice and rats, which have always had, I mean, there have been problems with rats and mice in the project. So we'd be more than happy to work with you on that, Charlotte. And I have the contacts at NYCHA that have been uh, gaslighting me, you know, and we can definitely call them and you, you can yeah, let, let's Let's see. I'll come with Nancy. We'll, we'll walk. We'll take a look at it. I'll see if any of the people uh, that I know personally who live there, if we can uh, – we can uh, negotiate a situation where the cats can continue to live. Uh, they can operate. They can be uh, 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 Mother Nature's rat mitigation uh, team. And uh, your folks, your volunteers are not going to be molested uh, by police or anybody else because you're just trying to do the right thing. Uh, Ken, make yourself useful here, please. Get all of Charlotte's information. Write it down on a piece of paper for me. Don't put it in the commute computer where it gets lost in the abyss. 
And uh, Nancy, we'll reach out to Charlotte. We'll go visit uh, her and her volunteers. Because remember, when when we were up at the Sotomayor projects mm-hmm. in the South Bronx, when yeah. they were training pit bulls on the roof and they had slit yeah. their, their, uh, the vocal cords so people couldn't hear them. And then if they weren't up to mustard, they were throwing the pit bulls off the rooftop to a horrible death. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we were walking around there, they had holes in the basement areas where cats would come in and out to mitigate the rats, and people loved them. Yeah, I mean, and again, just same concept. It's, you know, everything is the the cats, unfortunately, they're constantly just, you know, trespassers because they're not given any rights to be there. So it really is on the whim. So uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, boots on the ground explanation work to people as to why it's important to have them, uh, you know, why you want them to be around, what the advantages are to, you know, getting them fixed and how they maintain the population. And then also, you know, other people taking care of them. You know, you don't have to do anything. Just let me take care of them. And they're going to be handling, you know, the problems that otherwise you'd be having. I mean, it's it's a, but it just requires, you know, sometimes people, you know, once they start butting heads or someone just has a, you know, a, a thing and they don't want to talk, it could just shut everything down. And that's how difficult it becomes. I mean, look at that situation. That's, you know, that's how, you know, it gets like that and even worse. Queens Ridge Project, rough project. Uh, to get people to voluntarily go in there means they're really devoted. They really, in this case, love these cats. They love these animals because you're taking risk. It's it's a rough project. It's it's called a blood project. It means it's predominantly bloods. It's where the rapper Nas was from, uh, Noriega, uh, God, Capone, Noriega Capone, uh, MC Shan. I mean, a whole bunch of rappers, but a lot of bloods. A lot of bloods. And the guy probably with one of the biggest anger management problems I've ever seen who resolved it through a shrink, World Meta Peace. That was his the last name. Uh, he won the NBA championship with the L.A. Lakers, but when he was with the St. John's Redmond at the time and then the Indianapolis Pacers, I mean, this guy, Ron Artest, was like off the hook, Nancy. And then when he won the championship, NBA championship, they said, where are you going to go? You know, they, they say, I'm going to Disney World. I'm going to thank my shrink, my psychiatrist. This guy, boy, you, you go to the, you went to play him basketball on the uh, playground there at Queensbridge. You were going to get a fight. Uh, damn, if you ever shot from 30 feet out, man, he was going to make you pay for that. But uh, we're going to help Charlotte and her volunteers because it's not easy getting volunteers to begin with. You know, and, and also just to point out, it's like with the, I mean, you think about, you know, anyone who lives there as a resident, if, if you, I mean, you're a kid growing up, and I mean, obviously kids naturally love animals. There's a lot of people who can't have pets. This becomes like a, you know, a way to, to care for and also teach young children you know, they, they have an important job. You know, they're taking care of a living creature. This creature's, you know, keeping our area clean, and it, it's doing something important, and I'm doing something important, and it teaches kids empathy, and it teaches them as well that, you know, you know, you should care about what's going on, and you can make a difference. Like, everything that you would want to start teaching young people to do in taking care of their community and taking pride and, and you know, doing something that's, you know, worthwhile – you know, this is why you'd want to have that there as well. It's it's extending that to now, you. Now, you know, 
who was born and raised in the Queensbridge Projects? No. The police commissioner, Sewell. She was born and raised when she was first introduced to the public, because nobody really knew her. She was the head of the detectives in Nassau County. They had the mural behind her. I knew it was Queenswitch right away because they had Asada Shakur, a.k.a. Joanne Chesimar there. I'm saying, what? Cop killer? That's that's Queensbridge. What the hell is she doing there? I, this should be personal for her because you're right. There is a division within the police department that are supposed to protect animals and come to animals' aids when they're being abused. So um, I think we're going to give Sewell an opportunity to come home to where she, uh, she uh, her roots, the Queensbridge Projects, and do the right thing. Uh, so, Nancy, your work with Charlotte, mm-hmm. I'll deal with the bloods there. <laughs> Probably some of them who I still know after they came back from prison. We'll, we'll, we'll help Charlotte and her volunteers because, really, there's so few people who are willing to volunteer to go into projects to begin with, and now you're giving them a hard time. So anyway, ladies uh, and gentlemen, uh, if uh, you have any continued need for the help of Nancy and the Guardian Angel Animal uh, Protection Division, uh, Nancy, how can they get in touch with you? Um, Online, uh, guardianangels.org, animal protection tab, or you can email me directly, nancy at guardianangels.org. And we'll keep you all updated as to how effective we are in helping Charlotte and her volunteers and I'm going to say to the police commissioner, although she won't listen to me, hey, see, we'll come back to your roots. Do the right thing, huh? It's not for me. I know you don't like me. It's for the cats. It's for the cats. Talk Radio 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's your anthem, uh, Dominic Carter. Godfather of Soul, Soul Brother, number one, James Brown. I'm black and I'm proud. And you know what this is uh, an introduction to? The love affair. It was so quick that, in fact, it may be fading. Uh, we need, need to make sure that Dominic's uh, got his microphone working. Can't make yourself useful here. Oh, my God. This guy did not grow up reading Popular Mechanics, I can assure you that. (laughs) So anyway, you know how there's been a love affair between Sid Rosenberg and uh, he's reconnected with Eric Adams. Yes, but but I do love this song, for the record. Of course, it's part of your your cult, so to speak. (laughs) Come on, one time. One time, Curtis. Come on, one time. Right here, right here. Hot pants. No, no. I got ants no, in my no, no. pants come and on. I no, need no, 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 no. Say it loud. Come on, come on. Say it nah, loud. Man, man. I, I'm a quitey whitey, man. <laughs> I'm a cracker. Come on now. One I'm time. A cracker. One time. Say it loud. I'm a proud cracker. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> so anyway, speaking of crackers, Sid, who doesn't understand always, in good times or bad times, he will be a cracker to Eric Adams. Wait, wait, what is this thing between you and Sid? Well, I'll be on with him at 7.05 in the morning. He's got a problem now because he had promised Rudy Giuliani that 
he would organize a sit-down between Eric Adams, the mayor now, and the former mayor, Rudy Giuliani, and he gave a date, December 14th, Wednesday night, and the clock is ticking. So let me give you the update, Dominic. So on Friday morning, I had informed Sid that the mayor had made a statement on Thursday in support of reparations, 40 acres and a mule, for anyone who could trace their roots. And you you informed me as well uh, of that topic. But go ahead. Sid was in a rage. Because naturally, he's not for that. So he texts uh, Eric Adams, who dutifully would always respond to text. And then Sid called him crazy on the air three times in a row, which he had to do. But you are correct. The mayor responds to texts. Those of us that know him know that's the way to get a hold of him immediately. But not when you call him crazy three times. Like most mayors, he notices everything around him, everything that's said. uh, Sid, as you know, he's obsessed with texting, and so is Eric Adams. They're texting buddies. And then all of a sudden, Sid was complaining because the mayor wouldn't get back to him. Because obviously this is a monkey wrench. You see, as long as Sid agrees with Mayor Adams, everything's copacetic. But when you disagree with Eric Adams on this reparations, and you call him crazy three times on the air, then all of a sudden no response. So in the morning, I'm going to say, what's up? Uh, the, the clock is ticking here, and Rudy wants to know the deal. He's saying, hey, and, and Sid is not getting back to Rudy. Normally, Rudy is on with Sid once a week. Last week, he didn't have, because he knew Rudy was going to say, what's up? December 14th is around the corner. You said Wednesday night, a restaurant. We're going to sit down. Uh, that uh, Eric Adams will apologize for calling me a racist, and then I'll impart on him things that I did to make the city safer. And, boy, Sid, Sid is stymied now. That clock is ticking. So what am I supposed to say? Well, you're the brother here. You can do an intervention. I, I, I hear the beginning of your show. Dominic Carter. I, I know Dominic many years. Dominic. That's Eric Adams talking about you and your promo there. And I see in the film from the Greek Independence oh, Day Parade. Here we go. We run it in the hallways here because obviously it's the... It's organized by John and Margot Katsimatidis with other great uh, Greek Americans every mm-hmm. year. I see, man, he's coming by, and you're giving him the soul shake. It's like, how many times did you shake his hand in one shake? <laughs> oh, my God. One, one, it was done natural, right? It's done natural. But you know the one time that the it, – it, it's considered the black handshake. But you know the one time it offended me, seriously, mm. was when de Blasio walked up to me. No. And I, I kid you not. And he said, what's up, brother? And he gave me the black handshake. And I was disgusted. That was the beginning of the end of our relationship. Hold on a second. The ultimate McWhitey Whitey. <laughs> when you look at definition of white boy in Webster's Dictionary, you got a picture of uh, the Bill de Blasio. And he came up and gave you the soul yes. brother shake. Yes. yes. Everybody else, from Elliot Spitzer to Mayor Giuliani, puts out their hand and shakes my hand. De Blasio, thinking that he's a person well, of color. Married his sister, right? 
He married hey, his me. sister, and then he figures can, out getting license. Can, can you do it one time? Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. No, that was my first wife. I could do it then with the brothers. But, you know, she discovered Jacoby. I discovered Myers, and we went our separate ways. Corinne, wherever you are out there, I hope you're having a good life. <laughs>